Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 210 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, how's it going? I'm doing good, Joe. I just want to go on record that I am here, despite the fact that your other co-hosts tried really hard to get me to go to New York Comic Con today. Oh, really? He did? Yeah. I said to him, I was like, no, I would never miss an episode of At Odds. I am devoted. (laughs) And I have a Cal Ripken-like streak going on here that I would never jeopardize for a stupid comic and toy show. Does that mean Kevin Costner's having sex with your wife as well? Or... (laughs) No, I'm going to go with no, because I don't know that reference. So I'm going to assume the safe answer to that is no. There, There is a very famous story that during the Cal Ripken streak of uh, uninterrupted games, there was one that the league gave him a pass on. And again, all this is allegedly, right? Okay. Because he found out that Kevin Costner was screwing his wife. And he caught them, and he got into a fight with Kevin Costner, and he was all banged up. And again, maybe this maybe this plays into today's, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, show, you know? People get into scraps in regards <laughs> to things like this. Yeah. I- I'm sorry, Joe. I'm a little distracted. I just found out on Twitter that uh, I-, I know we talked briefly before we went on the air, but uh, late-breaking news, I've just been triple-cursed by Hollow Wicked. Oh, good. Because uh, I, I I was trying to get out of my original curse from like a year ago during the General Neutral Monarch, and I ended up getting double cursed. And then uh, Wicked just discovered that I, I misspelled his name in a tweet, so uh, I'm I'm double triple fucked here. <laughs> well, listen, I, I will say this: if um, you are double triple uh, fucked, as you say, then that means uh, Hollow Wicked is coming back to old form. You know. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, this is not good for me. This is not good at all. <laughs> I gotta figure a way around out of this. This is I'm gonna glowing reviews when I get to the show homework later. Glowing reviews. It better be. Yeah. <laughs> uh a, a year before. Okay. Uh so I knew it was something similar to this. Okay, so a year before Cal Ripken's uh legendary streak ended in nineteen ninety-eight, a game he was set to play in was canceled when it was announced that an electrical failure had made it impossible to play. Um, they they say that the uh, this was because of the reason I'd mentioned before. Um, and I'm trying to look because there's this article that I read that like says it's been proven or disproven. Mm-hmm. I think, but yeah, so that's what I knew it was. They canceled the entire game, saying it was an electrical issue at the whatchamacallit. Gotcha. Well, if anything, um, it just it just proves how loyal I am that I'm here despite right. those distractions and issues. And uh, uh, Costner denied the rumor. Cal Ripken Jr. denied the rumor in 2008. Um. And again, I, I choose to believe that it's true. Uh, that it's uh, true. The fact alone. Uh, yeah, so are we distracted by this? I don't know. They, they seem to be denying it, but I, I like to believe that it's true. You know. Yeah. yeah. Look at us. You know Hot me. Baseball talk. Yeah, you know me. I'm a big baseball man. Yeah, Didn't um, the judge hit a home run or something? 
You know what, Joe? Maybe uh, maybe we'll save that for later. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. Yeah. Maybe we'll save that for later. Well, we better get into actual wrestling talk because there is st- stuff to talk about here, huh? Yeah, let's do it. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. Okay, so we have our usual head-to-head uh, 1997 Nitro vs. Raw. And there was actually a ton of shit going on on both shows. And I'll leave it up to you as to what was uh, a bigger deal, okay? Okay. Uh, so over on Nitro, uh, taking place from the Kemper, or the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, they're still building toward Halloween Havoc. It's Hogan and Piper in the cage. Um, they're still building DDP and Macho Man as a thing. Um, like, Macho comes out and attacks DDP. Give, and then, like, DDP gives Macho the diamond cutter on the floor. And then, Ma- like, they do a stretcher job for Macho, like, putting over the diamond cutter. Um, but also, earlier in the show, they set up a match for Halloween Havoc. And I'm going to jokingly say, of course you remember this match, Adam. Yeah, um, after a Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett match, and again, Booker T and Jeff Jarrett in 1997, you know, three years later, they'd be wrestling for the world title in WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the match, Mongo comes out, and they set up for Halloween Havoc, Double J versus Mongo, and if Mongo wins, Deborah has to leave WCW. She's fired, right? Okay. So they set that match up on this Nitro, and then within the next week, uh, Double J uh, doesn't re-sign with WCW, and two weeks later, he's on Raw. Okay. Uh, but they had, like, spent all this time building up this angle, and then they just, like, randomly plug Alex right into it a week later for no... Just because Jarrett's gone, right? Yeah. I wonder if Alex Wright's, uh, you know, retro figure would, would arrive shorter than 15 weeks. 15, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 15 months or 15 weeks? 15 months is what I tried to say, yeah. Um, well, we'll see. We're coming up on 15 and a half. Um, and then also this was the start. So, uh, Raven comes in. Raven came in over the summer. Bear in mind, to date, since Raven came in over the summer, he's wrestled one match on TV and it was against Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards is gone. We have the debut this week of Saturn in the crowd with Raven and after a match, uh, with Alex Wright, the aforementioned Alex Wright, the flock then recruit Billy Kidman to join them. So the flock is now just starting to build here after Raven debuted on TV like three months earlier. That's that's some good stuff. And plus, uh, Raven's on like the Brock Lesnar schedule there. You got to respect that, you know? Right. And, and it's so crazy because like we get later in the year and he's just in the crowd all the time. And J.J. Dillon signs him to a contract that all of his matches are signed to Raven's rules matches. Uh-huh. And like, it, like, OK, it was painting Raven as a big star that like he gets to like throw his weight around and everything else like that. But, uh, you know, as much as I'd like seeing Raven sit in the crowd, I want to see like Raven cut promos and wrestle matches and stuff, you know? Yeah, but the benefit of the Ravens rules match is that it can just all be walking brawls. He doesn't yeah. have to do much. Right. You know, um, and, and a random and or this early into the run, no Goldberg match on Nitro this early into the run. Oh, that's a shame. They were deprived. Yes. Now over on Raw on the other channel, we are a day removed from the Bad Blood pay per view. 
uh, which means, sadly, this is the episode of Raw where not only do we get the uh, video tribute and 10 bell salute for Brian Pillman passing away the day before, uh, this is that super awkward interview where uh, Vince interviews Melanie Pillman via satellite. And it's just real awkward and real strange. Yeah, it's like, you know, what are you going to do to raise your kids now that he's gone? Like, how are you going to support them? And she's just fucking sitting there, obviously, with no answer to that question. Right, like her husband died like 24 hours ago, and Vince is like, well, what are you going to do now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. A rare misstep from a normally, like, socially conscious Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, usually he has a better read on, like, how to interact with humans, you know? Yeah. Uh, also on this episode of Raw, we have the return uh, from injury of Mark Marrow. And this is him debuting the marvelous Mark Marrow gimmick where he's like a boxer now. Okay. Yeah. It was like Wild Man before that, right? Correct. All right. See, I know this stuff. This is in the 90s. This is my wheelhouse. Right. Uh, we also get a no contest between the Hardy Boys and the Truth Commission, as that's gotta be Kane comes out and destroys the Hardys. Mm, time will tell who would have won that battle. Between that's right. It's crazy to think like Kane like still makes appearances now and then. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's crazy to think like here some twenty five years on like the Hardys are still around. In what condition is another story. But you know, yeah. At least three of their knees are still good. Right. Uh, and I'm you're rounding down, I'd say. <laughs> uh, now, this uh, is, you know, we, we talk like, oh, all this Attitude Era stuff and Attitude Era, blah, 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 you know, like, when's it really starting? But, like, we're getting bits and pieces of it here. This is that Raw where, again, it's the night after Bad Blood. Sean beat Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. Sean's now the number one contender for Mr. Hitman's world heavyweight title. And uh, Sean calls for some footage to be shown. And uh, the footage that they end up showing is the curtain call from Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is where Sean, uh, you know, kind of publicly states on camera. Not that at this point it was a secret that Vince is the one in charge. He blames Vince for his buddies Razor and Diesel leaving and all this other stuff, right? Yeah, and, and, like, I feel like as, you know, a, a relatively young wrestling fan, this is the first time that on television they acknowledged babyfaces being, f- like, friends with heels, like, on television, you know what yes. I'm uh, And also, um, na- knowing what we know now some 25 years on and how much uh, Jim Cornette hated the fact that the curtain call happened and that they showed the footage on air... This was the beginning of Jim Cornette getting, like, talking head segments on Raw to bury WCW. Yeah. I, I, I hate, I hate when I, that I'm about to say this, but I loved those segments, you know? Right, and I think this is where, like, if you, like, were not a fan of Jim Cornette in the, you know, 80s or even early 90s in WCW, you probably weren't a fan of his managerial work in World Wrestling Entertainment, but it was probably this stuff that made people a fan of Jim Cornette. 100%, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I remember, uh, you know, that would come out in shoot interviews, and this is like, this is the beginning of the Jim Cornette persona that exists today for Jim Cornette and so many other people have tried to ape, you know? Mm. Uh, but he mentions, uh, like, he's burying the click, 
like Sh- uh, like Razor and Diesel and HB or now Waltman, right? Mm-hmm. And he says that like Waltman would like he apologized to Waltman because he says Waltman sucks, and the only reason they kept him around because they used to laugh at him when he would throw up on himself drunk. <laughs> um, I forget what he said about Razor, but he says like Nash was a forty year old goof trying to be hip who only has five moves. And then Nash has gone on to debunk it by saying that he has six moves, <laughs> seven if you include the hair flip. So, really, Jim Cornette doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, once again, Big Sexy gets the last laugh on that. And I think what had happened was, like, that comment, like, what I forget what he said specifically about Scott Hall. But I think that led to Scott Hall telling a story that when the rumor of, you know, the fake Razor and Diesel were coming the year prior that Scott Hall reached out to uh, Rick Bogner and wanted to know if he wanted any of his old Razor gear to wear <laughs> so he didn't have to get new shit made, you know? Uh-huh. So uh, I think that's something that either Cornette brings up in later years or that Scott Hall brings up in later years. I'm not 100% sure. Nice. Uh, but yeah, like I said, we're, we're, we're building towards something here, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, like I said, it's little pieces here and there, you know, it's stuff that really sticks out in my memory of like i can't believe i saw that on on television you know right now speaking of jim Cornette, on this day in wrestling history in 2012 uh ring of honor held an event uh in rawway new jersey at the rawway rec center uh they filmed an angle that got shown on like whatever the equivalent of the newswire was at the time that jim Cornette was attacked by someone backstage right mm-hmm and this was a way to write Jim Cornette out of Ring of Honor storylines because this was how they kind of, like Jim Cornette was done with Ring of Honor. Uh, famously around this time, um, Jim Cornette, I know you're going to be surprised by this, had a big blow up with the way that things were being done in Ring of Honor. Uh, he was upset with Greg, the office boy. And he was just really upset with the way that things were being run. But the way that things were being run was Jim Cornette was essentially attempting to make Ring of Honor into uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling or Ohio Valley Wrestling. Like, if you look at these results, uh, you have Michael Elgin. uh, There's a strange resemblance to someone. I can't quite put my finger on it. You shut your fucking mouth. (laughs) Taking on Mike Bennett, who at the time, Mike Bennett was like, he had this whole, like, um entourage with it was like maria but then it was also like brutal bob evans who was doing like a mickey from rocky gimmick right Hmm. uh you have bob fish taking on qt marshall uh who was like jim Cornette's guy that he thought was going to be the biggest deal in a ring of honor you know yeah so they stuck him in there with a 30-year veteran of bobby fish right well 30 year you know 15 years ago but you know yeah 10 years ago uh you have like charlie haas and shelton benjamin on the show you have mike mondo wrestling on the show so you have like all these ohio valley wrestling guys that Cornette was really big on that just weren't fitting into ring of honor for the most part and i think that was more the the uh the decision for jim Cornette to leave ways and i think on like a, a hard right yeah, i think i'm almost certain on a hard drive somewhere that i have like all the jim Cornette interviews like after he left ring of honor just like barry and ring of honor talking about how like poorly run it was and all this other shit like that you know mm. uh but even still it's just interesting to see like 10 years ago like a lot of these guys like qt marshall was kicking around uh, on the indies in this area then uh 
BJ Whitmer's AEW now, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, who are, you know, wherever they are these days, Davey Richards, who's back on the indies, Adam Cole, Eddie Edwards, Kevin Steen, Jay Lethal, all those sort of folks that are still uh, doing stuff on the indies here today. I, I know it's only 10 years, but still, you know? Yeah. Like, I look at the, uh, the the card here, and, like, I recognize and am familiar with every single person on there. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you had asked me prior to the day AEW started, like, I never heard of QT Marshall. Like, I, I felt like he was something that was invented for AEW. I didn't realize he existed before then. Well, I had this pointed out to me, um, and I don't think we'll end up watching it, but there was an early Wrestling is Fun show. Okay. That's probably on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Wrestling is Fun is one of the many offshoots uh, that came off of Chikara or pre-Chikara. And uh, it was held in, like, the back room of a low-rent Chuck E. Cheese in New Jersey. (laughs) And QT Marshall wrestled on that show. All right. Uh, So he's part of the Chikara universe, I guess, if you want to consider it. Okay. Because he wrestled that one show. A lot of times that's all you needed was just being on that one show and you're part of the greater Chikara universe, you know? Yeah, you're part of the lore. Right, you're part of the, exactly, the lore. (laughs) Uh, And last but not least, uh, this day, 2013, World Wrestling Entertainment from Buffalo, New York, held the Battleground pay-per-view, which was one of the first new branding names of a pay-per-view that kind of stuck a little bit, I think. Okay. Uh, But just again, we were lining up with pay-per-views of this era in WWE at this time, uh, you know, they got like Alberto Del Rio versus RVD for the hardcore t- or for the world title. Uh, Jack Swagger and Cesaro versus Santino and the Great Kali. Oh, poor Claudio. <laughs> uh, Bray Wyatt versus Kofi Kingston. Oh, poor Kofi. Uh, CM Punk versus the Ryback. Oh, poor s- both guys, I guess. Uh, and the continuation rivalry of Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton for the world title. Uh, But I will say, uh, you know, as much as I'm kind of giving this era a rough time, uh, there's a Cody and Dustin versus Seth and Roman match on here that has like a whole bunch of like gimmicks stacked up on top of it where it's like um, if Cody and Goldust win because they had gotten fired like a week or two before on Raw. If they win, they get their jobs back with World Wrestling Entertainment. If the Shield guys win, uh, Cody and Goldust can never be in WWE again, and Dusty would be fired from his position in NXT, and they would scrub the Rhodes name from all future World Wrestling Entertainment, blah, 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 right? Sure. Now, So what- even with all that nonsense on top of it, it's a really good match. Now, was this Stardust or pre-Stardust? or Pre-Stardust. Okay. Um, we're still a little ways away from him being Stardust. Um, and then, like, I think we're, we're, like, maybe, like, a month or two away from him being Stardust. And then we're even a month or two after that of him turning on Goldust that they were hoping to get a WrestleMania match out of, and it just didn't work out. Because at that time, they just didn't have the chemistry that they would a couple years later, you know? Sure, but at least we got the the Stephen Amell match, so that's all that matters. I look forward to us covering that. Right, we'll get there eventually, you know? Yeah, SummerSlam next year. So, uh, yeah, that's all we got wrestling history. Uh, hey, Adam, where would you like to begin with uh, stuff that we uh, watched or liked or want to talk about in the last uh, seven days? Okay, uh, you know what? I'm going to... for. You know, a rare thing. I'm going to talk about WWE for a second, and it's not about Sami Zayn. Okay. I want to talk about the number one story 
uh, coming out of WWE television. Uh, something that like everybody has their theories about, and you know what's going to happen next. Some people love it, some people hate it. But my number one talking point is the fact that Max Dupree turned on Ma- Marseille and Mansois, took off of his maximum male models belt, and walked off. The pride of Hagerstown, Maryland, is back, Joe. I was busy while that was going live, and of course the. Uh, the Max Dupree signal was lit, and I'm getting everyone put it in my mentions, and I get just the GIF version of it, like the the clip that WWE social media put out, and then I had to wait for my uh, WWE American Nation to put up the full clip to give context of how it went throughout the course of the night, where uh, Masse and Mansois were attempting to uh, to set the record for the longest pose ever held. <laughs> and Max got frustrated and left, and then Hit Row came and made fun of them, so they had to start over again. And Max, and you know, he threw down the name of Max Dupree, not in, and the belt, not unlike all those years earlier where Shane Douglas threw down the NWA World Title and held aloft the ECW title. It was a very similar moment to that. I know they there was a not I wouldn't say a vigil per se, but a lot of people that were hanging flags at half mast in <laughs> Hagerstown, Maryland. Uh, Saturday morning, it was a much brighter day. the The coffee tasted a little bit sweeter. Uh, everyone's eggs weren't as runny. It was a great day to be uh, a fan of LA Night. And uh, you know, listen, did I work myself into a shoot being a fan of LA Night? I absolutely did. Uh, did I love all this stuff? Yeah, I did. Um, I would have been happy either way, whether they continued as him being part of Maximum Male Models, but it just kind of goes to show, I guess, that Triple H has a plan instead of just immediately flipping them back that they kind of try to make a storyline out of it, you know, and it looks like they might do something with LA Knight, which is crazy. Yeah, look at you giving praise to Papa H. Yeah, yeah, that's all he gets. (laughs) He might get a little bit more. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I wasn't watching it live, and I, I got it stooged off uh, by somebody in a group chat. But uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And, and <laughs> plus, it's also awesome that, uh, you know, they brought in Maxine Dupree uh, so they can keep the maximum male models around. So you get the best right. of both worlds, really. You know, you get the great... Uh, uh, you get to like still live in the exquisite juices or whatever it is of maximum male models, and then you also get the the million dollar megastar. Uh, hopefully, you know we, we get some taste of that that NXT persona, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I I was very happy for that. I went back and I re- I actually looked for that on SmackDown and obviously the Sami Zayn stuff. But uh, yeah, it was good times. Yeah, Sami Zayn stuff was good, but it was kind of light. Uh, this week as like you can't really top like the week before stuff you know yeah. I did like I don't know if you saw on Monday Night Raw they like cut into like Sami Zayn talking to the one Uso that likes him and right like, telling a story about like an apartment fire and he's cutting up the one Uso and obviously the one who doesn't like him shows up and is mad it was a good little backstage bet you know right I did see that I didn't see much else of Raw but I did see that yeah three hours of programming and that that Two minutes was the only watchable part. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, there was other stuff. I think um, I don't like it, but uh, the stuff with 
uh, Miz and uh, what the hell's his name? Dexter Loomis. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'm definitely intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> like there was the bit where, because you know, obviously everyone's talking about next week Monday Night Raw. They're having the celebration for the 25th anniversary of DX, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how they could do that without the biggest and most popular member of the group not being there. But you know, <laughs> good luck, guys. Um, but next week on Raw is also the Miz's birthday celebration, right? Okay. So I'm sure they're going to do some sort of stupid thing with Dexter Loomis and whatever. Um, so they're doing the bit. Miz is setting up his birthday party. Dexter Loomis gets him. And I'm sure you saw the clip where, like, Gargano's walking backstage getting ready for his match, you know? Oh, I saw that. I didn't even realize that was Miz. I just saw Loomis. Or no, I, yeah, so, yeah, so Gargano's walking back, and he looks, and he sees... Dexter Loomis is sitting on one of the boxes and he has Miz in his lap passed out and is like stroking his head. <laughs> and then when Johnny like catches it, like he takes a step, realizes what he saw, he goes to take a step back and look and they're gone. And Johnny just goes, oh, Dexter, like that. And I'm just like, oh, you bunch of cornballs. <laughs> we need to somehow get, uh, I mean, we can leave Austin Theory out, I guess, but, uh, you know, the entire way back together. And then I'd be in, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm much happier with Johnny Gargano and Kevin Owens being, like, paired up on screen. Like, let's not take steps backwards. Let's take steps forward. Oh, yes. The the pairing of Gargano and Steen is not at all something from many years ago, Joe. Yeah, it was something that was teased and never came to fruition, right? Okay. Yeah, but still, it's not exactly a step forward. They had shirts printed, but, you know, they never got to wrestle together. Now they do. So, you know, it all works out. Yeah. How long before? Well, I, I don't think WWE is going to try a trademark Panda Express. I think it's used already. <laughs> Well, I think maybe they could probably work out a licensing deal with the food place, or at the very least, they can do some sort of other thing where, like, well, um, you know, you have the rights for it in foods, and we have the rights for it in, like, sports and or entertainment, you know? Yeah, I mean, that worked out well with the World Wildlife Federation or fund or whatever. That's true, that's true, you know, uh, good decision-making over there at the Stanford, Connecticut offices. <laughs> so speaking of which, another thing from Raw, and I said I know that you said nothing good from Raw. And this is again where it's not really a brand split these days. You know, everybody shows up on every shows now, whatever. Um, but obviously, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, or maybe the white rabbit that's in the room. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the 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 luster came off the whole Bray White Fiend stuff. Very quickly, in my opinion, you know, um, it was one of those things where you whether it be a Cornette or a Bruce or whomever would say, and then the bell rang, right? You have all this pomp and circum- circumstance and all this character stuff. But then once it's time for that character to wrestle a match, it's like, OK, now what do we do? And that was really the biggest problem with the Bray Wyatt fiend character. And now they're spending so much TV time and so much work and so much like, and I'll give them credit, some creativity stuff, you know, with the QR codes and the planted fans and the planted signs and all this other stuff. And like, it's interesting if you care, right? Like they talked about it on pod Van Dam this week. And I know Ed is like 1 million percent against it. 
Um, I think the other two people on the show were asleep for most of it. And then Jonas was like, I had a lot of people contacting me saying they were like kind of interested. And that's great. They're kind of interested because they remember what the Fiend character was and they remember the imagery of it and how much steam it had the first time around. And now they're giving it like a bigger build up for it to come back. But then he's going to have to wrestle a match, right? Mm-hmm. That's the part I think everyone's forgetting. And as someone who came from Chikara, where they would they were doing all this QR code, solving the riddles and mysteries and going to this site and reading that thing and, you know, standing on your head while the sun was setting in the east instead of the west or whatever it was on a much lower end scale. And, you know, I'm I'm all about that sort of bullshit. But, you know, there was some attempted payoffs and you could argue whether or not they worked or not. But the payoff to all of this that's happening, while it may be creative, is a Bray Wyatt-Fiend wrestling match. They should just do, like, option one is just have, like, you know, him eventually debut and then just go away. And, like, six months later, they can come up with another creative way to introduce him again. So you only get the promos leading up to his debut, but you never actually get his debut. Or you can just have his matches only visible by scanning a QR code. Like you Oh, okay. Off. You put on Raw, and then they're like, he does a Firefly Funhouse or whatever the new equivalent is going to be, and then they put the barcode up on the screen, and then you just go to the next match, and if you are, uh, you know, interested in such things, you can go and watch it, you know? I I honestly, like, I've said it before, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the fact that, like, I was a huge mark for the, the Fiend and the, the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse stuff. Up until they jobbed him out to Rollins, you know, in that Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Then, like, it it just went off the rails because, like you said, it was hard to figure out what to do with him in the ring because you can't book him in a competitive match because everybody will eat his lunch on him. But, like, he's just a squash guy. Like, when he killed Finn Balor in his debut as The Fiend, I was like, oh, that was the greatest thing ever. (laughs) You know, but it, it quickly fell off the rails. So... I don't, I like the character stuff, but I agree with you that you know it's hard to be jazzed up for a, a Husky Harris match. Yeah, in 2022 or 23, who knows how long they're going to hold this off for? You know, <laughs> it's just years of this, you know, just QR codes and NFTs and oh, oh well, whatever. Pop H hasn't done us wrong yet, Joe. No. No, not at all. Everything's been a, a great decision. Let's, look at a, look at the dissension that's, that Pop H is causing in AEW. He's crushing the competition, Joe. He's just causing them to combust from within. I like how this uh, discussion is kind of just flowing, you know? Yeah, it's almost like I got a glimpse of your notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, I don't know if this was in your things to talk about, but yeah, you know, it was being built up for several days. And on Wednesday, right before uh, Dynamite went live, a TMZ report came out stating that uh, due to a backstage altercation, Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo had both been sent home uh, due to this. And then word came out that no, since Andrade was the one that started it, he was the only one that was sent home. Sammy got to stay and work the match and win the main event of the third anniversary of Dynamite. Um, 
Now, the rumor is that Andrade is trying to get fired uh, so that he can go back to World Wrestling Entertainment, just like so many other people who are upset. I think, what was it, Meltzer said that uh, something like 5 to 7% of the AEW roster is unhappy, whether they're former WWE guys or not. And I think friend of the show, Tom Green, said, he's like, well, that's not that much. But when you look at the AEW roster, 5 to 7% of the AEW roster is the full roster of any other promotion in the world. So that's quite a bit of people. Yeah. Um, so I'll say this. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people on both sides of the camp in regards to this. People were saying that Sammy was, in fact, banged up. Um, and then there's another group of people that are saying, like, Sammy should be fired over this. Uh, he's I hate him. And so on and so forth, and not kind of realizing that they're being worked. This is making me care less about Sammy, which I haven't cared a ton for to begin with. And it shows you how not over with the AEW crowd that Andrade was, because, you know, this was happening. It's a digital age, and people can get that information. The fact that the crowd was not chanting Andrade at Sammy when he came out for his match... Yeah. Uh, either says that how that's how not over Andrade is, or that shows how little this crowd cares about whatever that is, whether it's real or not, right? Sure. If they hate Sammy so much, which obviously a lot of people do, you would think that that would be low hanging fruit and just an easy target to just chant Andrade. But yeah, don't give a shit about Andrade either, right? And like, I guess the main thing is if we're if we're being led to believe that Andrade is doing this in trying to get fired. He's not trying hard enough. <laughs> uh, I, I, was that? I was going to say, he needs to be like George Costanza when he's trying to get fired from the Yankees. He needs to, like, you know, drag around the, the World Series trophy or whatever the AEW equivalent is. Just go to Tony Khan's house and start trashing stuff. Right. So that's, so that's what I said on social media today. I said if Andrade really wanted to be fired... You show up to work with a gun, okay, on your person and just wave it around, okay? okay. Uh, you go punch Tony Khan in the face. You just go up to Tony Khan and punch him in the face, right? You want to get fired, punch your boss in the face. Or go out on TV and start, like, ripping rails of blow, you know? <laughs> so, again, I'm just saying, if he really wants to get fired, he would do some of those things. You know, give me a call. I got, some, I got lots of ideas on how to get fired from your job. He needs to really commit to this and not half-ass it. Stop being Yeah. A- yeah. I, you know what? At, obviously, I'm an AEW fan. You know, w- I talk more about AEW. I watch AEW in its entirety, other than maybe Rampage. You know, what? who does? <laughs> but I watch all of Dynamite. So, obviously, I, I root for the success of AEW because, you know, another successful national brand can't we just go back to the day before all out man when everybody was getting along and everybody wasn't suspended and come on guys stop this oh it's not gonna happen though and you know and obviously a lot of people are like oh man i can't believe tony khan can't control his roster you never saw anything like this in the world wrestling entertainment yeah vince would never let this happen right vince wasn't allowing like Jericho to fight Brock Lesnar backstage and Vince wasn't allowing Jericho to fight Goldberg backstage uh, Vince didn't allow the plane ride from hell to happen on multiple occasions uh, Joey Styles punching out JBL on a flight 
Um, I could keep going. Um, you know, JBL um, pistol whipping and stripping and taping to one of those boxes that uh, uh, Dexter Loomis and Miz were sitting on. A referee because he took a first class a first class seat over someone else. Running wrestlers court backstage. Uh, just general bullshit like that. That never happened in the world of wrestling entertainment under Vince's watch. <laughs> but the people that are saying that are also the same people that love to drag down Tony Khan for hugging his wrestlers. And they're like, yeah. Eh, that would never happen in WWE. Triple H would never hug a wrestler. Yeah, Vince would never hug a wrestler, you know? Yeah. It's like, here's a picture of him just doing a deep soul kiss to The Undertaker. Right. And there's the famous, like, and, you know, you have everyone from Daniel Bryan to Mick Foley and everyone in between talking about how good of a hugger Vince is. And even Paul Heyman has the story about, like, one of the times where he had come back to the company and he meets up with Vince. And Vince goes, how about a huggy? And gives Paul a big hug, you know? So I guess he doesn't do it on TV is the difference. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. You Again, we all tell ourselves what we want to believe, to believe the things that we like are good and the things that we don't want to like are bad. Like, you could be a fan of both, right? Sure. I don't know. I'm not a big tribalism guy, you know? In my old age, maybe, let's say, you know? I'm willing to go 60-40 if WWE gets better. I'm always going to pick a favorite, though. Yeah, you know, like... I'll say like 95, 96, you know, I was tried and true ECW. You know, I still watched a little bit of WWF, but I was like, no, WCW is bad. But if you go back and watch like 94, 95 WCW, 94, 95 WCW is real bad. Yeah. So like, it's not like I was wrong, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And when the, when the NWO first formed, I was all in on WCW and then that started getting stale and. The Attitude Era started on WWF, and that's where I swing my allegiance to until the dying days of WCW, you know? Right, and now we watch, uh, you know, WCW from that era 22 years on, and you love it. I do. It's great. <laughs> All right. So anything else you want to talk about from this yeah, week? You know, or I am, I'm going to talk about one more thing, uh, just because my only other thing was the Max Dupree thing. And I'm going to actually talk about a good thing that happened on AEW where there wasn't fighting. And mm. it was... A segment about unity, Joe, and that was the National Scissoring Day, uh, like, <laughs> promo or whatever. Uh, Joe, I said this last week or the week before when I was talking about Sami Zayn getting his honorary Oos shirt, that it genuinely put a smile on my face, and that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, you know, I'll be amused by promos or I'll hate a promo, but uh, there's very seldom that I'm... Uh, you know, just I popped to the point where I just have a legit smile watching something. And I did watching that, you know, segments. Um, I liked all just the, the bits about how Washington represents the division in our country. But one thing we can agree on is that everyone loves the acclaim. Today, there is no left or right or red or blue. The acclaimed wears pink and everyone looks good in pink, Joe. Um the bipartisan scissor to unite the com- uh, the country was interrupted by uh, Swerve, which I-, I love. That just put instant heel heat on Swerve for those people that might have still wanted to cheer for him. Uh, and I even like the fact that uh, you know Swerve had a rock and Smart Mark came out because paper beats rock, pal. Uh, <laughs> like I-, I enjoyed all of that, and uh, well done. The acclaimed obviously have. Uh, a rocket ship strapped to their ass that they put on themselves. I'm glad that AEW's finally recognizing that, you know? 
Right. And, uh, you know, and obviously you're saying finally, I think they really were recognizing it for a while. And, you know, I know a lot of people wanted them to win the belt at the pay-per-view. Um, and people were like, well, they didn't win at the pay-per-view, so they're never going to win it. And I get why they held off on Arthur Ashe and really with the difference of two weeks. But, you know, sometimes two weeks is a lifetime in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, to me it is. And I also like the fact that it's a great callback of Smart Mark that he was talking about, hey, remember when I was trying to convince all of you that Swerve was an asshole and you didn't believe me? You know, yeah. this, this reminds me of like how Heenan spent years saying that Hogan was a bad guy. And then when Hogan turned, he's like, see, see, <laughs> see, it paid off after 12 years. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that segment. It was uh, the highlight of the, the, the three-hour show for me. Yep, it's definitely uh, a good thing. And, you know, I hope, you know, that AEW plays it smart and they have such a big roster and it's tough to get everyone on TV all the time that there are certain acts that should always be on TV and those acts should be your champions. Like, even if it's just like the bit where Mox came out to have a little bit of a stare down with Hangman after the match with Roosh. Mox should be on TV every week. Acclaim should be on TV every week. Tony Storm should be on TV every week. I'll make arguments with you that your secondary title should also be on TV every week, but let's at least get your three main original titles on TV every week. And they have done so, so far. Let's hope they keep that up with the Acclaim, you know? Sure. Joe's a big champion of uh, Jade Cargill being on TV every week. Uh, Well, uh, you know what? I'll say this. Um, hmm. Uh, I definitely think I liked it better when Jade was at least cutting promos on TV every week. Um, she should be like, like they kind of booked themselves into a corner with Jade by putting a belt on her. Uh, by the way, uh, not in the show notes, but this day in wrestling history, one year ago today, they unveiled the TBS title for the women. Okay. Um, so. I definitely think they booked themselves in a corner with Jade that she should be on TV every week, but as the champion, you just can't have her beating soup cans. She has to beat name people and you can't be sacrificing name people when a good chunk are either in Japan or injured. Um, and they did set up that this week on whether it's rampage or battle of the belts or both this Friday, that it's live that they're doing Jade versus Willow. Yeah, that's on Battle of the Belts. Okay. Uh, I'm glad... So on one hand, I'm glad that it's not taped, okay? Because if it was taped and I knew the results going into the show and they were less than favorable, I'd be very upset here today. Yeah. But the fact that it's live, I'm not losing sleepless nights over it, but at least the outcome is a question. Because in my heart of hearts... If they're not using Jade to the fullest of her potential, they should have J Willow beat her. Oh, 100%. Willow needs to take that belt. There, it's It's been long enough. You, if you want to keep pushing Jade Cargill, move her over to the, the main title. Uh, I think the, the pop and the surprise from, you know, I don't want to say the word casual wrestling fans, but wrestling fans who aren't familiar with Willow from the indies, uh, you know, would be shocked. 
you know, and obviously people who are huge fans of hers, like uh, like us, uh, you know, it would just be great. It would be a feel good moment. You know, it would be like one, two, three, kid rolling up razor. It would be that kind of moment. You know, right? You could certainly do it that way, where it's not like Willow hits like her big super duper finisher out of nowhere. You could have it be a slip on a banana peel finish, whatever it is, and that's fine. Um, I don't think that would hurt Jade in any way, shape, or form, and it would be a feel-good moment. You could immediately afterwards put the Willow is All Elite graphic up with the belt, and as you mentioned, move Jade on to being an attraction that you only trot out every now and then. That explains why she's not on TV every week, or you push her toward the main title, and then whatever the hell a Jade Cargill-Tony Storm match would look like. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a thing. But at least Friday, uh, just kind of related, Joe. Friday, I'm getting my dream match of uh, Tay Mello, Anna J versus Sky Blue and some other lady. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, and some other lady. Yeah, uh, Madison Rain. But okay, this is the least important in that that equation. Come on. No, listen, I get you. You're you're. <laughs> I think that's that's uh, three fourths of a match to give that in advance the five star Adam Van special. You know. Yeah, when we do our famous year-end match rankings, uh, that's a contender right there. That could right. Be Sight unseen. Exactly. <laughs> Just on glossy 8x10 paper. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, anyways, Joe, you got me all distracted, but I think there's a pay-per-view this weekend. Uh, okay. Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kobe Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? That's right, Joe. This Saturday, WWE. Saturday? Saturday, I'm looking at it right now. They're, even they're smart enough to stay away from football. Saturday, WWE is putting on Extreme Rules, a premium live event that, according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling news and information, has a total of six announced matches, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of which are so far marked as being on the pre-show. Joe, do you know the card? Okay. Uh, I think think I do if it's only six matches. Mm-hmm. I might stumble a bit on some of the stipulations because I know it's in Philly, it's Extreme Rules, so everything has like a stip, right? Yeah, everything's going to feel like old school ECW, like a typical Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey um in like an extreme rules match or something correct okay uh we have bailey versus bianca in a ladder match that is correct we have hmm you've got imperium all three members taking on like whatever the hell their group name is now like the brat the battling boys or something like sh- whatever Seamus group is Seamus, Ridge, Holland, and Butch. Brawling Brutes. Brawling Brutes. Okay, I knew it was something BB, right? Now, and that doesn't have a stipulation. That's just a regular six-man, right? Oh, no, it's got a stipulation, Joe. Oh, what's the, stip- what's the stipulation? <laughs> uh, like Again, this is 
you remember back in the day the classic good old fashioned Donnybrook matches, right? I do. Yes, this is another return of the good old fashioned Donnybrook. Hmm. It's literally the name of the match. Okay. Uh, so that's three, right? Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, Seth Rollins versus Riddle in the fight pit with special Daniel Cormier as the special guest referee. Yep, beat me to it. Okay. Um, Edge versus Finn Balor. And I know... I, ugh. I know there's a stipulation on that, but I don't know what the stipulation is. I'll, I'll be completely like, I, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to give you a hint. I have no fucking clue what the stipulation is. <laughs> Rock versus Mankind. Uh, empty arena match? Other Rock versus Mankind. <laughs> For the world title? It's an I quit match, Joe. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I should have said uh, uh, Beyond the Mat Rock versus Mankind. Ah, oh, there you go. That would have got you there. And there's five, okay? There's no Max Dupree match, is there? Unfortunately not, no. Or be main eventing. And I know, right, and just like any good C-level premium live event, if Max Dupree's not wrestling, uh, neither is Roman Reigns. <laughs> oh, uh, what, if, what if Max Dupree is the White Rabbit? Oh, my goodness. I Listen, <laughs> then it was all worth it. Exactly. Uh, am I stalling to try to think what the sixth match could be? Yes. Uh, I have no idea what the sixth match was. I'd say, you know, with this card and the build for the show, I'd say getting five out of six isn't bad. Uh, the final match is Killer Carrying Cross. Ugh, against First. Drew, right? Yep. And that is a stipulation? That is a strap match. Oh, Yapapai strap match between those two, huh? Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I don't know, man. Killer Karen Cross isn't very good. And I feel as though this match is a big step back for Drew. I can completely understand why it's out of my mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, I don't pay a lot of attention because most of my WWE watching is through Fast Forward, but I haven't seen Drew McIntyre interacting with Karrion Cross. Maybe he has, and I just didn't notice, but like I saw him in matches against other people like i don't remember who it was but it wasn't carrying cross you know he's been in well you know there's been a couple smackdowns and a couple raws that have been in canada uh the last couple weeks oh okay and uh i think maybe due to um reasons carrying cross and scarlet might not be able to travel into canada well i'm sure he's done his research he's doing what's right for him (laughs) right right yeah (sighs) oh 100% 100% skip pay-per-view for me, Joe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely nothing of interest. But, you know, this week on SmackDown, they get announced, like, uh, all the non-Roman Reigns members of the Bloodline in, like, some sort of funky eight-man match, and that'll get me to watch um, a, a BC show-level premium live event is essentially just like a souped-up Raw or SmackDown anyway, so there'll probably be tons of backstage skits. Uh, I'm sure there'll be like a Max Dupree segment, and I'm sure there'll be like uh, Miz and Dexter Loomis segments. So, you know, I'll, I'll catch all that stuff on social media the way that it should be caught, you know? Yeah, maybe they'll shoehorn Panda Express in there against somebody. Yeah, you know, like, do them again, like they've been doing them against Alpha Academy a bunch, so, you know... 
we'll maybe they add like a third with them with Alpha Academy and then like throw Braun in with Owens and Gargano for some reason, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. That that's what the only thing that would push this pay per view over the top is just to add Braun Strowman. It's the yeah. icing on the cake. <sighs> but even though we're not going to watch this show, there right. is no homework being assigned. But I still have to talk about the homework you assigned. Correct. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right. So the event that we watched was the uh, Chikara June 2013 event, Never Compromise, originally shown on iPay-Per-View through our good friends at the time, Smart Mark Video. Um, if you did not get a chance to watch this show, you could certainly read the recap of it over at our friend Kevin's website, MassLibrary.com. Um, now I did mention, um, not to watch certain matches, um, and I did go by the order in which they were shown on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, which unfortunately was incorrect, um, but, you know, as you're watching, you're like, oh, they said to skip that one, so we'll skip that one, and whatever else, and then the two event center promos that I, uh, assigned were in part of the pay-per-view anyway, again, I did not know that, so maybe you had to watch those things twice. No, I didn't do my homework until a couple hours ago, so it worked out nicely. There you go. I like to have it fresh in my mind. But anyways, on to the show. Uh, I just want to say right off the bat, just kind of an over-show arc type of deal. Uh, I like the recaps that they did for each storyline with music playing. You know, and they weren't narrated. It was just like, here's a soundbite, here's some match footage, here's like crowd shots, all that stuff. Very ECW like if that makes sense you know how like you would get that ECW would do it with like a Nirvana song playing or something but uh, you get my gist I like the recaps that they did to before uh, certain matches or most of the matches anyways the first match that you had me watch was the Colony Extreme Force of Orbit Adventure Ant Arctic Rescue Ant and Missile Assault Ant versus the Spectral Envoy of Ultramantis Black, Frightmare, and quite possibly one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Hollow Wicked. Uh, Hollow Wicked spelt H-A-L-L-O-W-I-C-K-E-D. Uh, anybody who would spell it to the contrary is probably just a bad speller, and uh, I don't think bad spelling is a reason why somebody should be, like, cursed uh, or you know, put a hex on them. I think that's... That... <laughs> saying like i think that's overreacting um not my decision at the end of the day and i respect i respect the decisions of the more powerful people than me but uh, again i think maybe a little bit of leniency i'm just saying anyways on commentary uh leonard f Carson and bryce remsberg and joe i i didn't know what this show was if you oh. had any if, uh thoughts that maybe i knew you know uh, so I, I didn't know until it was happening at the end. And we'll get to it when we get to it. All right. But Bryce Remsburg is very aggressively burying Wink Vavasor on commentary. 
I have that in my notes as well, yes. Yeah, and that stood out because, you know, that's not something that Bryce does. You know, Bryce is joking around with you, and I have a couple notes about some funny things you guys were saying later on. Or, I'm sorry, Bryce and Leonard F. Carson were saying. But the fact that he was, like, aggressively bearing Wink Vavasor, I was like, that's got to be storyline. So that stood out, not in a bad way, but I made a note of it. Yep. So Spectral Envoy starts off hot. You know, does a d- bunch of them do dives to the outside. Extreme Force gets the heat. Uh, they isolate Hollow Wicked for a while, which I did not like. Uh, I hated that. I was rooting for Hollow Wicked. I was doing a chant in my house. I was like, Wicked, Wicked. They were trying to take his mask off, and not a fan of any of that. Um, but thankfully, uh, you know, the, he makes the hot tag to Frightmare. Hollow Wicked ends up tapping out one of the ants. I think it was Arctic Adventure Ants with the Chikar special. Uh, again, you're going to have your top guy win the match, obviously, and that is Hollow Wicked in <laughs> devastating fashion. Really impressive win. Uh, on commentary, I, I like the fact that Leonard F. Chikarson, in order to relate uh, with Bryce Remsburg, said something, something Phillies. <laughs> I think that was that, that, I think that was LFC's baseball knowledge coming out. I like that. But again, yeah. Again, Spectral Envoy gets the win in a fun opener, uh, and Hollow Wicked, as he should, uh, gets the star, the star-making performance, just getting the win, getting the dub. Uh, again, if he wasn't your favorite Chikar wrestler going into that match, goddamn, he's he certainly is afterwards. Uh, I will note, of course, you know how over the baby faces were versus how over the heels were as heels. Um, you know, earlier in the year with watching stuff, Wink had christened Colony Extreme Force. Uh, he had given them the Colonies 2011 uh, or 2012, whatever year it was, King of Trios win. So on paper, this match was the 2011 versus 2012 King of Trios winners. Um, trying to think what else. The Colony Extreme Force had a whole bunch of new triple team maneuvers that I thought were really good. And, uh, you know, as over as the Spectral Envoy boys were... Um, you know, this was at the time, uh, you know, prior to this, and of course, during this time after, this is when Mantis is essentially John Cena. You know what I mean? <laughs> no matter what, and I used to rib him, and I still rib him to this day about it. You know, you've got the mil, you, you got the tons of shirts, uh, you got the whatever, and I would always tease him that he needs to start just subtly adding in John Cena moveset to his own moveset, and uh, he, he, he didn't go for that. Uh, so we're not going to see uh, Ultramatus carry out a towel. Uh, you know, <laughs> with a, like a catchphrase on it and throw it into the crowd before his next LVAC match. Listen, I, I try to convince him. I'm like, that's more, that's a uh, more merch that you could sell, but you know, poo pooed at the, uh, the meetings, you know? Yeah. That's a shame. All right. So next up we have the colony of fire ants, green ant and a ant versus. Oh, Dem- oh, sorry. Real quick before you get to that match, uh, in between that match and this match, was an ad for shop.wrestlingis.com. Uh, oh. For seven ninety nine, you can get all of your favorite independent whatevers. This okay. was the proto Chikaratopia, which in and of itself was the proto Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Yeah, you know what? I have some notes for some other ads that happened later on, but that that ad you just referenced did stick out for me. I was like, oh, you know what? That that's interesting. They kept yep, the price yep. point. You know, um, all right. So anyways, Colony versus Devastation Corporation. Uh, Devastation Corporation is Max Smashmaster, Blaster McMassive and Flex Rumble Crunch. I just like saying all those names with Sidney Bacabella. 
Uh, Sydney says before this match the playtime is over, implying that all the stuff that Devastation Corporation did before was just them messing around. So I like that. Immediately the match starts off with the brawl. Max throws Fire Ant from the stage onto everyone. Uh, that was a huge spot. Uh, Devastation Corporation just beating down the other two members for a while. I liked Max does a, did like a deadlift suplex on Fire Ant, which Fire Ant counters with the stunner. That was a fun little spot. Eventually, Green Ant does a dive off the balcony, uh, in eliciting a holy poop reply from a, a certain uh, Joey Styles wannabe commentator. But uh, <laughs> Bryce, uh, yeah, that must have been it. It wasn't uh, me. Who's, it definitely was not me who said it. It was for, for sure Bryce. Just I, I thought it was you. No, it was not me. All right, somebody said holy poop. Anyway, it was Bryce. All right, you guys sound alike. Uh-huh. You sounded alike in that reference there. But uh, Bacabella eventually interferes during an attempt at an anthill, throws Green Ant from the top rope, eats a super kick for his troubles, and Green Ant submits Blaster McMassive with a cloverleaf. So the colony gets the win. Right. I will say, at this point in the Chikara timeline, all my notes is everyone's shoot names. So <laughs> I have to be very careful. Uh, there's a part in the match where... Um, I think Max gives Green Ant uh, a Tombstone pile driver, and Green Ant does the Devon Dudley uh, shaky leg sell for it. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned before Fire Ant coming out of the uh, press slam. He did a very familiar looking comeback um, that looked that I've seen on TV a couple times over these last three years. <laughs> um, and then yeah, Green Ant. This is like the second or third time that he's done the dive out of the balcony. And uh, it's always, like, super impressive because there's very little room for error. There's very little room to get up there on that balcony. And uh, Greeny nailed it every time. What a man. This was the venue that I had asked you, like, are they still running shows? And we found out after the fact that it doesn't exist anymore, right? That's correct, yes. Okay. After this is the commercial that I did make a note of, and that was one for the wrestling, uh, the Wrestle Factory. And I just yes. I, I popped at the idea that they're showing the trainers running drills in masks. You know, I just thought that was just a funny visual. Obviously, it makes sense for Chikara. But uh, also the thing that was kind of, uh, I don't want to say funny, but uh, interesting was Cesaro and Sarah Del Rey just putting over quack left and right. And, you know, just being company men and women. Uh, and just in hindsight, it was just kind of interesting to look back at. But uh, yeah, it was a different time. Running. It was a different time. Exactly, and uh, fun little commercial that I don't think I've seen prior to that, you know? After that, we get uh, an out-of-place, and only out-of-place because it doesn't happen right before the match, but an Icarus promo, really good promo. Um, I feel like, you know, we might have bounced around, so I might not have seen all of the Icarus stuff leading up to this, but very much a babyface going into this this match. Uh, he's talking about how he left the seats, and invited his hero, Marty Jannetty, uh, and he's hoping that Jannetty's in his corner. I don't have any of the details on it, but like he came out of this looking like, if you were watching this for the first time, you would think that, oh, Icarus is like one of their top baby faces, and you know had to have been for a while, and he's going against uh, their top heel, who's been a heel forever. So you wouldn't know that these are all relatively recent developments going into the main event. Mm-hmm. All right, but the next match is Tim Donce versus Gavin Loudspeaker in a hair versus hair match. Uh, Gavin does a kick to the gut and a stunner to no effect right off the beginning of the match. I thought that was a little funny thing. You know, Gav- or Donce doesn't sell the kick or the stunner attempt. 
Uh, but Gavin does pull off a her and Conrana before being taken out by a vicious Dance clothesline. Uh, at this point, like it's looking like Gavin doesn't really have what it takes to stick around because Gavin's not a wrestler, but uh, Dance is abusing his flock. He uses Ed Cody's favorite wrestler as a projectile. Um, you know, he's he's being abusive verbally. He breaks Veronica Ticklefeather's baton, you know, just really just riding on the, the rest of his guys and girl. Um, but eventually, Jakob has had enough punches Donst and the roof comes off the building. Gavin superplex Donst from the top rope and gets the win. Uh, the turtle leaves. Veronica slaps Tim Donst. Gavin is just exhausted. Uh, quite possibly shoot exhausted. We, who knows? Uh, so, you know, Bryce comes in to cut Donst's hair, takes a couple locks off, but Donst takes it like a man and takes the clippers and finishes the job. The okay. Bryce, Gavin gets the win. Uh, so when Gavin comes out and he takes off it, like his sweatshirt and everything, and he's there in his gear, uh, he got yeah, CM Punk, Punk chance. Yeah. Best in the uh, world chance. And I would say that probably at the time Gavin was in better shape than Punk was. <laughs> uh, so that's not fair. Um, you know, we kind of go over some of the history of some of the stuff that had been going on in Chicago during the course of the commentary on this match. Um, whether it be a bit of foreshadowing, whether it be storyline, whether it be real, um, I think I'm the one who says, uh, you know, so-and-so is not the first person to quit Chikara over these things, you know? Yeah, I wasn't sure, like, if that was storyline or, or shoot, brother. Well, it was storyline because, like, um, you know, Gargano had quit, and uh, Sugar Dunker didn't quit, and this one had quit, and Soldrant had turned in his whatevers, and this one got fired. So it's storyline stuff, but it was also, as we're headed toward the end of the show, more on that. Um... Do you want to hear a story about this match, Adam? I certainly do. So, um, if you remember when we last watched a match here um, from the Trocadero, it was Donst versus Eddie for the title, right? Mm -hmm. And if you remember, I told the story that Donst was like 100% certain that he was winning the belt. Yep. And when he got to the show and it said in the sheet that he wasn't, he was very, uh, very upset. Okay, Um, very inconsolable, and he did not do a good job of masking that or hiding that. And he pretty much pissed off a lot of people just do his basic attitude. Okay, so he gets put into this storyline with the build up to him taking on Gavin in this match. And he and Gavin were friends. There was no issues there, but. Uh, Donst very much felt as though this, and again, I, I want to preface this and say, uh, I've known Donst for a very long time. I still consider him a very good friend. Um, but he handled a lot of this year very poorly. And we'll get to more of that later on as we review some of these shows. So he looked at this storyline as punishment, right? Um, he felt as though he was being punished, uh, for his behavior, in not getting the title match win against Eddie. So I'll never forget, it was the Thursday before this match. He contacts me, and he tells me that he has this idea for how the match is going to go, and he had this whole script that was written out. And when I say script, I mean like it was a seven-page script, okay? Mm -hmm. So he sends it to me, and I read it, and I say... I go, hey, man, I go, I know whatever your feelings on this storyline are. 
I go, I don't think that you should send this to Mike. I think you should just go with whatever Mike has, you know, Mm. he sends it to Mike (laughs) and Mike reads him the riot act through email, which is the way that Mike does these things. Mike's not a face to face kind of guy. Um, and this was more or less the beginning of the end for Donst. And we'll get to the end and for Donst. And there's a story there, but the, I wish I still had the email and someone like me, I'm surprised that I don't. Um, hmm. Bear with me. I might, but I might not have that that far back on my emails archived. I don't. Oh, look at me. My cataloging system is not as good as I would have liked. <laughs> um. Okay. You have nine year old emails. You'd be surprised what I have. <laughs> um, th- so again, that being said, I just think that Donst handled things poorly. Um, he- and this was just kind of like the beginning of that. And we'll get into everything else when we get into the next show, right? Gotcha. All right, so next up, there not a match, but we had uh, a fired referee. And I don't, what was the name of the referee? I don't. I didn't write Derek it. Sabato, the... <laughs> The world-famous researcher who's mentioned by name on the uh, Double J podcast. Yeah, well, I don't listen to Double J podcast. So. Oh, you son of a... <laughs> so that this referee was fired by Wink Vavasor, and the referee is here to shoot that he has dirt on Wink, and he's trying to get Twitter followers. If you wanna, if you wanna find out what this dirt is, you know, just go ahead and follow him on Twitter, Joe. And there's nothing I hate more, Joe than people that are shilling for Twitter followers. It's really, it's low down. It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, If you want more thoughts, more of my thoughts on how I think it's embarrassing to shill for Twitter followers, go follow me at the man Adam van on Twitter. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this sets up maybe some more stuff later on, but he's got dirt on wink. Right. So Derek was more or less like the heel referee in Chikara. And there was a period of time where he was the BDK referee, then he was gone, and then he was brought back, and then he was Wink's heel referee, and then he was gone. Um, and he mentions in what he was talking about that he was speaking with someone else who was recently fired, and they have been comparing notes specifically in regards to Wink's father, and I just find it funny that here we are nine years ago... And now here we are in 2022 that uh, Derek is in the thrall of a man named Conrad. Because Wink's dad's name was Conrad Vavasor. Oh, okay. And he works for Conrad Thompson of adfreeshows.com. Plugs for them that they don't need. (laughs) I'm sure they'll reciprocate. Yeah. Uh, But no, Derek is uh, like Derek is currently the editor for Dave Meltzer on The Observer, and he works uh, as the research guy for all of the Conrad verse shows. You're supposed to do research for podcasts? You'd be surprised. You listen, uh, Derek busts his ass, man, getting uh, the nitty gritty. And a lot of times it is just going through some old observers and stuff and just finding the, 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 the juiciest bits to get the best stories about. But on, and again, I know you said you don't listen to the Double J podcast, but uh, one of the Triple A podcasts, he brought up a thing that there was like a backstage incident at a show in Mexico between Double J and Psycho Clown. 
And when Conrad brought it up, Double J got like a shocked look on his face. And he goes, how did you hear about that? You know? And it was just one of those things that like Derek just knows a lot of people and asked the right person. And Double J told the story because it was a different time and it's water under the bridge and all that sort of thing. But uh, listen, shout out to Derek. He's not our researcher, but, uh, you know, he does ask me from time to time what shows that he'd like these people to do, you know? Yeah. All right. So next up, we have the Campiones de Pereas. Easy for me to say. Take a shot. 3.0 versus the Pieces of Hate, Jigsaw, and the Shard. This is another best two out of three match. Uh I was surprised that they didn't do the thing that we've been kind of railing against, which was two quick falls within the first minute or two. We did get one quick fall. Shard hits a super kick on Big Magic for the first fall. But we had a couple minutes before we got the next one when 3.0 gets the second one. I'm not sure how. I don't have it in my notes. I wasn't paying attention. I was just thinking about how great Hollow Wicked was in that one match. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, it, I was still just kind of on a high from that match. But um, it, but like I said, at least it wasn't immediately after the first fall. Uh, eventually, Shard puts Shane Matthews in an ankle lock and has him kind of uh, not completely down on the ground and because J- uh, Jigsaw comes in and super kicks Shane while he's in the ankle lock. And that combination makes Matthews pass out from the pain. And we have new tag team champions in Pieces of Hate. For sure. Yeah. Um, this was a good match. Like, like, So the way that it ended up going was, uh, like, the first fall was, like, four minutes. Then you had the big match in the middle. And then the last fall came, like, three minutes later. Yeah. It was a fine match. Not Not my favorite, you know? A little bit of a change of the format, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So next up, we're going into the main event. We have a promo from Eddie Kingston. Talks more about how fans are fickle, but the wrestlers in the back are the ones that turned on him, and that's what really pisses him off. Uh, He spits on every ant and every baseball player, and for him, it's victory or Valhalla. Um, Just a really good Eddie Kingston promo. Surprise, you know? Right. Uh, So we have Eddie Kingston versus Icarus. Icarus is rocking the, the rocker's gear. And uh, unfortunately, Marty Jannetty is nowhere to be found. Might be hiding a body. I don't know. Uh, mm. But we have a back and forth match for a little bit. Uh, Eddie's fighting dirty, thumb to the eye, takes control for a while. Icarus turns the tide with a pedigree. The crowd is pretty divided between the two of them. A lot of Eddie chance, a lot of Icarus chance. Uh, eventually, Bryce takes a bump. Icarus takes a back fist, um, but Bryce isn't able to, you know, make the count. So Eddie goes out to ringside and he goes and gets Marty Jannetty's chair, the empty chair. And it's really sold well by commentary that, like, this doesn't happen in Shakar. You know, we don't use – there's not hardcore matches really that often in Shakar. We don't see people using chairs. Um, but, you know, he grabs the chair, hits Icarus, which fires up Icarus. So – for his troubles, Eddie hits him two more times. Icarus kicks out of all of them, kicks out of uh, the Saido suplex, and uh, eventually ducks a back fist to the future. Icarus locks in a Chikara special. Uh, Bryce is listening and kind of getting up and is like checking to see if if Eddie's arm is going to respond. You know, kind of how Shane Matthews, his arm didn't respond to the three count. Looks like Eddie might be out or might be, you know, getting ready to tap out. And all of a sudden, the match ends. Or it doesn't end, but Condor Security comes out, mobs the ring. 
Uh, one of those security guys was nearly seven feet tall. It was really scary. Uh, Wink Vavasaurs directing traffic from the, the ramp. The show is over. Everyone go home. Uh, the stage is torn down. The curtains torn down. Uh, you know, just very abruptly, we didn't get a finish to the match. Uh, it looked like Eddie Kingston was going to tap out, or was he? You know, was Icarus going to win the title? Uh, what's going to happen next for Jakara? Whatever it is, I'm sure it's a great idea, and it won't at all bite anybody in the butt. But, uh, yeah, like, obviously, I didn't know any of this was going to happen. You know, I know that this angle was a thing. Like, how could I not just from being on Twitter and being in the circles of all the clowns that we follow and hang out with? Sure. But I didn't know when it was or where it was in relation to what we were watching. So, like, all the little, there was little pieces here and there, whether it be Bryce, you know, burying Wink or, you know, the referee uh, saying he has dirt on Wink. But I didn't realize it was going to all happen so quickly. And uh, to see it happen, and this was all for the first time. Like, I, I know that these things happen, but I've never even seen GIFs of any of it. So this is all brand new to me. So we'll see where it goes. But coming out of that, do I feel robbed? Oh, I would have liked to have seen a finish of Kingston versus Icarus, but I get why you do it that way. You know, both people come out of it looking strong. You know, you don't hurt Eddie Kingston. You make Icarus look stronger. So for that, it wasn't a bad finish. Uh, and we'll see what happens. You know, I don't know. So uh, a couple things, of yeah, course. Sure. Uh, everything that you mentioned about the match, of course, you know, um, Chikar being a promotion that doesn't use weapons very heavily or chairs. So when a chair gets used in this match, it kind of makes it that big of a deal, you know, um, there being a non-finish condor security throws everyone out of the building, including us, right. Yeah. Uh, up in commentary. Um, if you, if only you could have seen how handsome the condor security people that threw me out were, <laughs> um, so then there's a bit that doesn't make the eye pay-per-view, of course, that as all this chaos is happening, Wink is just sitting in a chair eating an apple, which is supposed to be some sort of reference to something. And it's one of the few references that Ch- in Chikara that uh, your co-host on Porch Talk knows and references all the time. Okay. So w- this was the part of a greater storyline, a part of a greater storyline that had been in play since at the very least uh, January of the beginning of that year. And a lot of people were informed of at the very earliest, like February, March of this year. Uh, I know I mentioned on the show before, but there was rumor and discussion that this was something that was hastily thrown together because Mike and his wife were getting a divorce and he was afraid that she was going to attempt to take Chikara from him in the divorce settlement. And this was his way of making sure that doesn't happen, that if Chikara is closed down, then she can't take it, right? Makes makes perfect sense. Right. Makes perfect 2013 internet fan sense. <laughs> so the whole idea is, is that, you know, Chikara falls apart due to the mismanagement and mishandling of Wink Vavasaur, and everyone kind of goes their own separate ways, but everyone ne- there needs to be separate places for everyone to go their separate ways ways which is where all the different wrestling is 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 come up wrestling is fun wrestling is respect wrestling is heart 
wrestling is, you know, awesome, whatever it is, like all these different things. So the way that it gets set up is like this group of people are only going to be on the wrestling is fun shows. This group of people are only going to be on these shows, this group of people. And everyone was kind of broken up where you were going to break up these popular acts on Chikara that if you want to see Hollow Wicked, you got to go watch Wrestling is Fun. If you want to see 3.0, you got to watch Wrestling is Awesome. You want to see these guys, you got to watch this, right? So on paper, so then all these people are separated. And then as the storyline is starting to culminate, because during the show there was an ad for National Pro Wrestling Day 2014. No date or anything just says that it's going to happen, right? So National Pro Wrestling Day 2014 is where all of these people come back together for the first time. And you get to see all the Spectral Envoy people together. You get to see the throwbacks back together. You get to see the colony back together. And all these baby faces all coming back, all these groups coming back together, right? Um, We're not going to get there, but there's a deal where there's all these heel forces in each of the wrestling isses that happen that start shutting down those wrestling is his companies. And as they do that, there's less and less wrestling is companies. The heel faction becomes bigger and bigger and stronger. So that's also the impetus that all the baby faces need to get back together to combat this huge giant group of all these little villains that shut down all the wrestling is, is that are now this giant flood of villains that are coming in. Right. Um, that being said, I had many people who were Chikara fans at the time contact me and say, this is great. I get what the idea here is. Just let me know when Chikara is back. Yeah, they and, want to dabble with, like, it's kind of like, a, to use a comic book reference, they're, they want to read the main crossover. They yes. don't want to read the tie-in books. Right, and that's, you know, there there was some guy who was hired this week who was a former, like, Marvel writer. Like, but he was like a low, like he did like fill in issues. He was like maybe in the editorial office and he's been the one who's kind of been orchestrating the white rabbit stuff in WWE and people are making jokes. It's like, haven't we learned not to let comic book people involved in wrestling? Ha ha ha. Quack. Right. Is but the, is the white rabbit quack? No, though, that'd be funny. It's a duck. It's a duck build platypus. <laughs> um, but uh, it was very advantageous, but Quack was taking into consideration that all of these people were not only going to still be available, but also be willing to do whatever the storyline was with the way that Quack kind of did things, where he made a ton of people sign NDAs, not to blab off what this was, right? Mm-hmm. So much so, so this shutting down, I send out a tweet saying like, well, you know, all my whatevers are done. Uh, hey, I'm looking for bookings, right? I really wasn't looking for bookings, but I never signed anything. But I, I wasn't an idiot, I wasn't an idiot right? Um, so this storyline happening is how I get involved with AIW. Because Chandler Biggins reaches out to me. He's like, we'll book you. I'm like, okay. And like he kind of knew something was up, but not everybody knew exactly what was up, you know? Um, so I get an AIW, I'm doing AIW shows, and there was an AIW show that was maybe a week before National Pro Wrestling Day. And obviously, you could figure out who may have told him, but I'm doing commentary on the thing with Kevin Steen, and he just says on commentary, 
something, something, oh, Chikara comes back next week at the National Pro Wrestling Day show. And I just look at him, <laughs> and he goes, oh, I, w- I guess I wasn't supposed to say that, right? And I just <laughs> go on with the match, right? Yeah. So Smart Mark was nice enough to edit his remark off of the, off of the commentary for that show, right? Uh, I didn't ask, and I didn't say anything, and I'd be like, oh, I'm telling Quack that you're saying this. I'm just like, all right, the information's out there, okay? Um, And like I said, I could literally talk about this all day, but there's so much more that we have to get to before we get more of this. But there is a red-letter note from this day, okay? Uh, So somebody in the crowd had a sign that said, Free Kevin Ford. I don't know if you saw it on the actual broadcast itself, but it was very prominent if you were there live, right? I didn't see it, but my mind is also conditioned to just ignore most Kevin Ford. But Oh, well, uh, this is going to be very difficult then for you as well, because I reached out to Kevin Ford to ask him, what was that all about? Because I didn't remember. So uh, let's throw it over to Kevin for a second. Joe and Adam, it is Kevin Ford. And I thank you greatly for allowing me to share my non-story of Chikara Anniversario Never Compromise on your show. I'll explain. So this all starts on Monday, May 27th, 2013, six days before the iPay-Per-View. I get an email from chikara.answers at gmx.com. And the email states, Hi there. I am offering you answers about anything Chikara-related, public or not. Anything at all from the last 12 seasons. Send me a maximum of three questions in the next six days. I'll answer them. Now, I had never received an email from an at gmx.com address before or after this. Never heard of it, so I just assumed it was a silly boy doing a silly bit, let's say. But I took the bait, and about 30 minutes or so later, I thought a three questions shot him back, and I got an answer a day later. Then I saw there was an article on this website, olewrestling.com, O-L-E-Wrestling.com. I don't know if Joe remembers that or knows who ran it. It's what led me to realize that it wasn't just me who who received this email, but that a number of people did. And then on Chikara 101, someone else posted a message about it, and Chikara 101 was the official Chikara message board. And keep in mind, the email never said, hey, don't tell anybody about this email, don't share your answers, whatever. And so since there was a thread, I said, you know what? I think people will be interested in hear, you know, what they had to say about the questions I asked. And then I got banned from the forum pretty much immediately after, at least within a day. Um, and I was like, OK, that's interesting. And I got it right away. It was a commitment to the bit like, oh, you're revealing Chikara secrets, stuff that we, the teeter conglomerate or whoever, don't want to be figured out. And I shared on Twitter that I had been banned. And people were like, that's stupid, this, that and the other. Whatever. It just so happened that I was not going to be able to go to this show, which was a bummer because I was able to go to the previous three iPay-Per-Views, High Noon, Chikar Source Rex, uh, which you guys covered, and Under the Hood, which I believe you also covered. And I was like, oh, man, I'm missing a Chikar iPay-Per-View. That stinks. And there was no way I was going to get to it, too. Like, the, the wedding itself was at, like, 11 or noon that day, and the pay-per-view was at, like, 4, but I was, like, six hours away in Virginia. So there was no way it was going to happen. And what really stunk is I had heard from somebody, and I'm pretty positive it wasn't Joe, that something was going to go down with Chikara. And there had been like illusions that it might be closed or shut down or something like that. So I was really curious about what this was going to be. And so I was like, oh, man, of all the shows, of course, to miss, it's this one. So my friends, 
doing their own silly bit, knowing that I was banned from Chikar and 101 and knowing that I wasn't going to be at the show created this sign that said free Kevin Ford. Now it, it got like a couple people online with a chuckle or whatever, but most people were just confused and didn't know who this was, but it was funny that I just so happened to get banned from the message board and I'm still banned as far as I know. <laughs> and that I wasn't going to be at the show. It's like, Oh, we can, maybe pretend that all of this is connected together. Uh, but then I, of course, missed this really important show. I missed a fan smashing the door of the Trocadero, which is probably a good thing. But I just remember driving home from that wedding and my phone just blowing up later the night and being like, oh, fuck. I can't believe I missed something so remarkable. Uh, but yeah, that's my little bit of non-story of my non-participation in the show, but how I was able to be there in some sort of way and uh it still comes up on my friends like facebook memories whenever it happens and i get to remember for a second they had a, a small moment in the sun where a couple people enjoyed a silly hashtag including jolly roger who told me to just dm lfc uh he had not been hit by a bus at that point to see what he could do about it but uh he was under no authority at that time he was just uh pointing out somebody you saw at the end of the show so i'm so excited you guys are covering the show i'm really looking forward to hearing adam's thoughts seeing it and uh joe's discussion of maybe some fun behind the scenes things here uh so thanks for everything you guys do and uh i'll be back to ask some questions as well free kevin ford baby hamburger for life hamburger uh, so yeah, I forgot about the the GMX email address and like there was so much that was going on that nobody in Chikara knew anything about and that's just the way that Chikara was run and I think that just kind of fostered a lot of mistrust amongst the wrestlers with Quack and the way that he ran thing. There were a lot of people that were there from the beginning that trusted what Quack's vision was implicitly until they no longer did, which you know they no longer do. Yeah. What is it with people named Kevin that just talk too much on a on a voicemail? Oh, stop it! You know, <laughs> I'm kidding. He's my favorite independent wrestling commentator. So I'm telling um, Avery good that you said that. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So I, that's the other thing Kevin mentioned. So the fans get thrown out, and there was a fan who was so angry he kicked the door, the glass door at the Trocadero, and shattered it. And there's okay. a very famous picture. Of one yeah. of those really super handsome Atlas secure, uh, uh, not Atlas, Condor, uh, uh, Condor security guys standing there yeah. with the glass cracked in front of them, you know? So, okay, so obviously I've seen that picture many yeah. times. And, I mean, it always just, it's such a striking image, you know, sometimes right. if, if that person wasn't wearing sunglasses, you could probably get lost in his eyes. It's one of those things, you know? Uh, but I didn't realize that that was this show. So that was that, this show. Okay, cool. Uh, also at this show, um, Green Lantern fan, if you're aware of Green Lantern fan, uh, went and attempted to get a refund from the people of the Trocadero because he was not he they we Chikara did not deliver the full show as we promised. <laughs> what a and they and they pretty much told him to go fuck yourself. Yeah, rightfully so. Um I mean, great show. Let me ask you this. The next thing that we're going to watch, is it going to be one of the wrestling is, is, is? No. Oh, we're just fast forwarding, huh? Uh, there might be one wrestling is we're talking. So let me look, right? Yeah. 
while you're doing that, I'll just say whatever we watch next, hopefully Hollow Wicked is on it, because I, I feel like I, I would not enjoy show homework if I did not get my fix of uh, some Hollow Wicked matches, you know. So just make sure when you're you're building together your, your next show homework, make sure you don't deprive myself, our listening audience, anybody of just more Hollow Wicked goodness. And by goodness, I mean badness, but badness because he's evil. Spooky. There is. Hmm. Well, think about it. You don't have to give me an answer. I just didn't know if you knew off the top of your head. Let's say no. Okay. Okay. Uh, there is a wrestling. I well, you know what? Well, we whatever the next thing I we that I assign. Um. I'll explain to you why there was a wrestling is fun show that we were almost going to watch, but end up not watching it. Yeah. If any of that makes any sense, you know, makes enough sense. Right. So, Hey, let's get into some voicemails. Huh? We got a ton. Yeah. Let's start things off with a friend of the show mentioned before Tom green. Hey Joe. Hey Adam. Um, it's Tom green. Uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that I will be uh, holding a uh, Toro Risu seminar coming up. Um, I've seen some, so I think I'm qualified to handle it. Um, keep in mind that uh, that you will need to do your own background check on me before you show up, as the promoters of, uh, are not willing to do so. Um, thank goodness. Uh, that, so that's completely on you as... Uh, someone with or without moral fiber. Um, we will learn all of the pro race two techniques, such as forearms, screaming, kicks, not reacting to the forearms or the kicks unless you do scream, and my favorite part, paralysis, and how to avoid it. So, just come on out to my pro race seminar. Uh, it is exactly the the cost of half of a mortgage payment for you individually. Uh, we can calculate it at the door. Um, it will be three hours, and everyone will have to bring their favorite Japanese wrestling match on a disc so we can watch it together. All right, great. I'll see you all there. Bye. So uh, this is something I didn't see, but I, I saw people talking about it. Apparently, uh, Quack is holding a Japanese wrestling seminar at the Wrestle Factory. All right. Um, and that's uh, Tom's way of letting us know that that's what he's up to. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the price on those sort of things are. Uh, I know Mike is still running things at the Wrestle Factory. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so here it is. Okay. Uh if you love Japanese pro wrestling as much as I do, then I want to see you up in the Big Apple Tuesday night, October 18th. That's when I'm teaching a special three-hour seminar all about Japanese pro History, traditions, structure. We're going to hop in the ring and do some uniquely Japanese holds. This whole thing is now less than two weeks away, and space is very limited. So don't hesitate. Jump on that link down below in the descriptus and then jump in the ring with me Tuesday night, October 18th. I'll see you up in New York City. Well, I am a huge fan of Japanese wrestling. Some say one of the biggest fans. Right. And I, I know uh, Tom 
made a remark there uh, in regards to how much it was, but it's only sixty dollars. Um, you know, if you want to travel into Brooklyn on a Tuesday and you hate money, um, it's only twenty dollars an hour. Yeah, I don't know who Guts and Glory Wrestling is, but more power to them, I guess. Um, you know, being brave enough to publicly get in the Quackenbush business, but okay. <laughs> Good for them. I'm just yeah. looking to see what they're up to. Oh, they've done seminars with Mike before. I see they did one back over the summer. What was that one about? Uh, that was also about professional wrestling. Well, I assume, but what genre? This was just a generic pre- professional wrestling seminar. Oh, it was like Wrestling 101, and the Japanese one's more like a an elective. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think um, you know you could do something better with your money, let's say. Um, I I thought it was maybe in ref- uh, reference to uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, tweeting that he was trying to impress a woman, saying that he was into salsa dancing. And having no uh, experience with it, and then saying who trained you, and now he has to uh, lie and say who his salsa dancing trainer was, and Trent called him out on it and saying that since he's pure and righteous, that's lying and he shouldn't do it. That that's actually an endearing Pillman Junior thing. That works, you know. Like I, I respect the lie. I respect when you have to figure out a way to talk yourself out of it. You know. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing Brian Pillman Junior has done. Period. I don't know. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, he's he's on the rampage card this week. So hopefully, the best thing that he does is lose very quickly and never be seen on TV again. That'll, That'll be, be the, the best thing he could do is never be seen on TV again. That's also possibly a thing. Did he eat his entire bunny? Remember, we gave him a fresh one. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that that bunny's long gone. Oh, I didn't know if he was down to the feet or what. No, he right. ate that one real quick. <laughs> Next call. Next call. Hey, Adam. Hey, Joe. Uh, I unfortunately do not have a question for Adam, but I do want to give Adam a huge shout-out for getting me the Chase Elite 94 Bret Hart. Adam, you're a real one. Thank you. And for Joe, I actually have two questions related to Anniversario Weekend and the fallout from it. The first question is, if my memory is right, the Saturday before, like the night before the pay-per-view, you recorded an interview with Eddie Kingston that was later released on Smart Mark Video. Uh, and that wasn't the only one you did. I know you did one with Jonathan Gresham and Rudolph. So I'm curious if you have any memories of that Eddie Kingston one specifically, but also just what that process is like. Are you in charge with uh, helping to cultivate the questions? Is that something Smart Mark does and presents to you? Does the wrestler have any input? Have you ever had a wrestler ask you to not talk about something like a company or person or a incident or whatever? Just curious how the whole process works. And the second thing I'm curious about ties into that because I remember buying that Eddie Kingston interview at National Pro Wrestling Day. And the way Smart Mark does it is if you buy the DVD, there's also bonus matches. And for Eddie Kingston's DVD, there were zero Chikara matches on it. And at the same time, there was two my Quackenbush DVDs, like Best Thugs or whatever, that were pulled off the website. And I asked somebody about it. It might have been a Smart Mark person. I can't remember. But it basically was like a request of Mike's to pull them down because it was like, well, if your car is gone, why would you sell these? Which still doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but do you remember, like, what the edict was about, like, acknowledging Shakar or stuff like that? Because I, I have to imagine that's the same reason 
there's no Chikara matches on any Kingston's compilation is there's like some some weird thing that was decided about Chikara at that time. Uh, just wondering if you remember any of that information by chance because I've always been curious and still baffled by it. Thanks, guys. Love you. And I'll tell you, this goes to show you how bad my memory is. So first of all, I can't believe you said all those horrible things about Kevin and he called in to thank you specifically for that Mr. Hitman figure. <laughs> well, it's fine. It's, it's obvious that he sent that message before I uh, revealed that I sullied the figure before I sent it to him. That's true. Yeah. I had it job to broski. <laughs> it's covered in topics and found wedding brawlers. <laughs> But I knew I took that picture obviously before I shipped his figure, and you're welcome, Kevin. Anytime, um, you know that's one of the benefits of being in the At Odds Patreon Discord is that you get uh, free, <laughs> uh, free finding of figs. But um, what I was getting at is obviously I took the picture while I still had the figure. Then I packed them up and I sent the figure out and gave Kevin a total for shipping and everything like that. But I wanted to wait until he paid me. Before I showed him what, because <laughs> I knew I, I I took the picture like the the day before and I wanted to, to to let everybody see it, but I knew I was like I don't want him to be like nah I don't want it now <laughs> even jokingly so but uh, yeah anytime I was happy to find that that's the first time I've seen either of those Hitman elites in person, um, but uh, glad it went to a fan. Uh, so the two questions that Kevin had one about the Chikara footage around this time um, it was less an edict of Quack saying well if Chikara's done there's no Chikara footage out there because I mentioned before there was the launch of shop.wrestlingis.com and Quack was going to have all the footage up there he didn't want Chikara footage on something else other than this because shop.wrestlingis.com was the beginning of Quack phasing Smart Mark out of doing the production and DVDs and everything else like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. You want to have all your stuff in only one place. You're not diluting the customer base. Like, if somebody was like, I want to watch Hollow Wicked matches, you know, I want to see how it's done. You know, I want to see how to become one of the best indie wrestlers on the planet. You want them to only go to the one place. You don't want right. to have Hollow Wicked stuff all over the place, you know? Um, now, as for the shoot interviews, I know uh, Kevin mentioned the one that I did with Eddie, the one that I did with Jonathan Gresham, and then he said a redacted person. This is how my memory works. I can't remember who the other one was with, and I'm kicking myself. If you remember, tweet it at me when you hear this. Uh, so the Gresham one was different because I didn't have the relationship with Gresham that I had with Kingston. Um, this was done like smart mark when they would do their shoot interviews, it would be a way for, you know, like, Hey, let's spend an afternoon. There's a guy who's a friend of ours. We could do a quickie DVD, give them a couple bucks up front. And this is just another thing that they could sell with very little production involved. Right. Yeah. Um, now, like I said, I didn't know Gresham the way that I knew Eddie. So the questions were all more or less presented to me. I tried to do my research ahead of time. Um, obviously, the Eddie one, I know Eddie's career, but I don't know all of Eddie's career. And um, with in both instances, I didn't, like, give them the questions. I said, hey, just so you know, um, this is what I have. We're going to talk about this or this or this or this or this. I go, I'm not going to really stray from what I have here. If there's something you don't want me to talk about, tell me, and we won't talk about it. 
Or if there's something that you really want to talk about, let me know and I will fit it in. Yeah, because I don't want to be like running the interview where we do the interview and I give them something and they have no memory of it or it's something they don't want to talk about because then it makes them look bad. Yeah. Um, I know there was like, so smart Mark is the one that initially put the, the stuff together for the Eddie one and they had sent it to both, both me and Eddie and it was very CZW heavy and very light on everything else. And Eddie was like, I've been other places, you know, and I think a lot of it was because they were still like involved with CZW in some way. Um, and Eddie was on the outs with CZW. He wanted to talk about CZW and he buries the fuck out of DJI during it, which I think Eddie was looking for an excuse to do so. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think there was anything that he didn't want to talk about. I know we kn- so we knew that it was coming out later, okay? So we acted as though this was taking place after or that we knew what was going on with the Chikara event, right? And Eddie kind of like as kayfabe as you can says what I said before about like there were people that have been with Quack for a very long time that trusted the process until they didn't trust the process anymore. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I don't know where that Eddie Kingston interview is. I don't know if it holds up or if it's any good or whatever, you know. I'd watch it. All right. All right, next call. Hey, Joe. Hey, Vansky. Uh, your sepia button holder, Big Sue here. Calling in today just with a quick, you know, check-in. Trying to decide what I want to talk about. Do we want to talk about how Sammy Guevara continues to be probably the dumbest person in professional wrestling? No, I think that's been covered probably. Right. How about um, Ken Dixon assaulting a 12-year-old for calling him, and I quote, Ken Dixon your mouth? I mean, <laughs> no, he's a piece of shit, and the kid was funny. <laughs> but but I, I think the thing that's really... I've been thinking about this week, this whole white rabbit thing. And Adam, you may not understand this, but it's giving me big Mysterium populist vibes. And I'm really not digging it. (laughs) Anyway, I'm about to take my kids to see the Percy Jackson musical. So I'm out of here for the week. Have a fantastic week, gentlemen. Until next time, regards. Appreciate Big Sue defending the sepia button right there, you know, making sure that he comes in every once in a while so it doesn't get stripped, you know? Right, and I, did, I, I forgot to give him his uh, full introduction beforehand, but, uh, yeah. Um, so, um, Kent, uh, Sue mentioned their uh, mysterious populum or mysterious whatever. It was yet another um, thing of riddles and clues that were timetabled that Chikara had set up. That if you were able to figure it out, you would get, like, every Chikara DVD ever up to that point, and you would get every Chikara DVD post as well, and I don't think anyone ever solved the full riddle on it. And this oh, is this is one of those things that we, the talent, were not involved with, not clued in on, had absolutely nothing to do. I wonder if the offer still stands. Uh, I doubt it. Old Chikara DVDs. I'll solve it. Thanks for the call, Sue. 
but one of the best brains on this on <laughs> on the subject. All right, n- next call. The strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur, at your service. Not much to really talk about. Um, I saw that. Uh, okay, I guess we could talk about this. There was a wrestler that got into a fight with a twelve-year-old. <laughs> um, I, I don't know about about the drama, but I'm sure you guys did. Um, I guess the only question I have about that is, uh, who won? If that wrestler got beat up by a twelve-year-old, how could he get booked ever again? I I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I saw it. I'm just like that's embarrassing. I don't know. There's not much else going on. Really hope uh, the good old Guardians win the wild card series. You know, face Adam and the Yankees. Then then we can have more to talk about. That's all I got. You guys have a blessed one. Yeah. Uh, I I just want to say thanks for the call, Artie. Uh, congratulations, Artie. Artie defeated me fair and square on the A show. The final votes tallied the other day, whatever. But I just noticed it today. I did lose quite handily, but I de- technically I won. So you know, yay! I'm undefeated. But, right, you won and you lost at the same time. Exactly. And uh, as far as the Guardians versus the Yankees, uh, congratulations to the Guardians. A feel-good story. I like the fact that all of their toxic fans who threw hissy fits uh, that they would not be fans of this new Cleveland team name and they stormed off. I'm glad that all of them are gone and what's left behind are people that are like cool. Uh, with all that being said, their fairy tale story will come to an end uh, next week when they get trounced by the Yankees. But enjoy it while you have it. You know, I'm sure you'll have a couple days of, of thinking you have a chance. So isn't this the second time in as many weeks that you and Artie on, are on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to uh, sports rivalries? Uh, yes, but when it comes to like Steelers versus the Browns, they're both terrible. Mm. When it comes to Yankees, Guardians, uh, Guardians aren't terrible, but Yankees are on a different level. So we'll see what happens. Uh, so this is the second call in a row that mentioned that Ken Dixon story. Um, I might have got it stooged off to me Sunday by someone who was on the show, uh, including the tweet of the parents of the 12-year-old who had video of the cops escorting Ken out of the building in cuffs for assaulting a minor. Um, I will say this. This guy is probably done in wrestling. He's already kind of taken Ken Dixon off of all of his social media and put his shoot name up, whatever the fuck his shoot name is. Uh, he wasn't wrestling tons of places to begin with, but I think this has kind of ruined his reputation. Um, and I will say this, um, if you as a wrestler in 2012 get mad enough at someone, a fan saying something to you that you lay hands on them first, then you were not cut out for this business. You're supposed to antagonize the fans so that they lay hands on you and then you could beat the shit out of them. (laughs) Yeah, he should have said some fucking nasty shit about that 12-year-old, had the 12-year-old swing, and then right. the kid. Yeah. See, that's the way it's that's the way it was done back in my day. Yeah, that's the way you used to beat up kids, right? That's right. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Artie. Yeah. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. It's Kevin. I'm pretty sure you record at nine and it is eight fifty eight and I just remembered I had to call tonight. Well, I didn't have to, but, you know, I don't want you to think that anything's wrong. Anyway, speaking of wrong, um, I'm really getting tired of Sammy Guevara, Guevara, whatever. 
and all the stuff he's pulling, and especially he's the one that gets the win uh, last night on Dynamite, and yet Eddie Kingston's not in the show, and other more deserving people are not focused on... Uh, we can just go back to his comments on Sasha Banks, the recent fighting and all. Um, what's the point of him saying uh, you can put someone else in that spot, you can get rid of him easily? Um, are they worried that Tay leaves? If he leaves too, I don't know. But I, I gotta say, um, I know Austin Theory is not a great person, but lately, Austin Theory's been okay, and Sammy's been the problem. So my question is, if you could only have one of them for the next 10 years of wrestling, who do you pick? Thanks, guys. Bye. That, that, you know, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. That's tough because I don't know if I've ever seen an Austin Theory match. Really? Not even during his NXT stuff? You know, maybe, but I have no memory of them, if that makes sense. You know, like, I feel like his NXT stuff, in my mind, was overshadowed by the character work. Because we mentioned earlier in the show, I'm a big fan of The Way. So I I don't know, like, is Austin Theory as good as Sammy Guevara in the ring? Because I think Sammy Guevara is really good in the ring. I enjoy his matches. Um, so that's tough. You know, if I had to pick based on my little bit of knowledge, I'd go Sammy Guevara. You know, but I don't know. What about you, Jeff? Uh, I'm with you. I'm Sammy Guevara as well. Um, Austin Theory is a big nothing in the ring for me. And, uh, you know, whatever his dalliance was, it was uh, an alleged one-time incident. Granted, it was a one-time really bad incident. Uh, but Sammy continually cocks off and gets into fights and gets into trouble with his coworkers, and that's very funny. Um, <laughs> so I'm just looking forward to like 10 years from now, like, oh, Sammy Guevara and yet another backstage incident, right? Yeah. I saw somebody online say that the Tony Khan Sammy Guevara relationship is akin to that of 96, 97 Vince and Shawn Michaels, where like Shawn is like completely unprofessional, not willing to work with people, and Vince is just like, well, we just got to have him win more, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. We, I, I think we are only a few years away from the entire naval force beating the shit out of Sammy Guevara at a bar in Syracuse. So I, I know that's in Kevin's neck of the woods. So if uh, Dynamite or Rampage are going to be in Syracuse, you might want to give the Navy a buzz. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and like, what's why is it all of a sudden it's looked down on for getting fights? Like, that, that used to be the best thing. All the coolest dudes got in fights backstage all the time, and now all of a sudden it's unprofessional? Mm-hmm. God. What's a bunch of snowflakes, Joe? I'm telling you, not fighting 12 year, not baiting 12 year olds to hit you first, <laughs> complaining about being cool backstage and getting in fights with people. Yeah. I don't know. Do, get, <laughs> publicly a- uh, <laughs> abandoning your uh, longtime fiance for another much hotter girl. These are all cool things, man. I don't know. You know? Yeah. You know what? Uh, fully in Sammy Guevara camp, as long as you're not messing with Eddie Kingston. Right. Well, he was messing with Eddie Kingston, yeah, so that, I that mean, does... Any, anymore. Anymore. Okay. All right. All right. Last call. Pink button time. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um, I'm outside of a uh, Mexican restaurant about to pick up uh, chicken street tacos. I'm very excited. Um, So, uh, I just want to talk about this real quick, because by the time we record again, it'll be old news. Uh, Kid Bandit rules. Um... <laughs> 
Uh, you guys didn't see this. Kid Bandit uh, messed up and booked uh, the wrong date for a return home flight uh, from the U.K. And I uh, had to buy a new one for $1,400. And they are short money now, so they um, asked uh, people to donate. And they did. They get, and they got, that's good. Like, Kid Bandit will get home and they got a place to stay over there till their return flight date, and uh, everything worked out. But, like, that's, uh, like, so carny, and it's cool, and I love it. Like, uh, I think the uncle said it, that Kid Bandit is, like, a rookie, but a 30-year pro is getting people to uh, separate from the money. <laughs> so that's awesome. But here's why I like it, uh, because, it's like, Kid Bandit is an enigma to me, because, like, uh, when all the wrestle queer and stuff happened, Kid Bandit paid everybody, right? And everybody was like, you shouldn't waste your money like that. That's not your responsibility. And they were like, oh, I could just make that back easily by doing, uh, like, a sexy cosplay on my Patreon and selling pictures. Uh, but now, <laughs> like, three months later, it's like, I have no way to make this money, guys. Can you help me out? And, like, I seem to be the only one that remembers that tweet. Um, it's just so cool. I love it. Wrestling rules. Um, can't wait to listen and hear uh, if you guys are team Sammy or not. I like Sammy Guevara. Hey. <laughs> I like Sammy Guevara less. I don't know if Sammy Guevara is 29. I thought he was like 23. It's definitely less appealing, the whole shtick now, but uh, I still like it. Yeah. Get people to punch him in the face. It's awesome. He's got a really punchable face. <laughs> uh, AEW rules. I don't even know if it's real or not. Do you guys think that's real? Okay, bye. That's not real. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so I actually left a call on uh, Pod Van Dam about the Kid Bandit thing. I'm sure you did not see this, Adam. I just know from what I heard on uh, on Pod Van Dam and uh, seen a little bit on Twitter, you know? Right, and I, I, I more or less kind of echo Ed's sentiments that like three months ago, um, Kid Bandit had enough money to like pay an entire show worth of people that got stiffed off that wrestling queerdom show. But now after they foolishly booked the wrong flight, and I get where Ed and the uncles are coming from, that Kid Bandit's like a two-year pro, but like a 30-year carny skills. But they also got, like, tricked by the Buff Bagwell account. <laughs> and they've gotten tricked by other things. So I definitely think Kid Bandit needs to focus less on the wrestling and more on the grifting, right? <laughs> uh, Kid Bandit very well could be the new Danhausen if they play their cards right. And if you look at the thing about Danhausen, what's the least important aspect of Danhausen's routine of, of being a wrestler? The, the wrestling. actual wrestling. Yeah. So that's what Kid Bandit needs to focus on. Mirror the Danhausen model and stop believing every old man on Twitter who says, like, chin up, bucko. You know, we're into this together. Yeah. And I just want to say that uh, last week when Ed called in, he had talked about wanting to go to Knobles and I yeah. said that I wanted to also go to Knobles with him and uh him and Ronald Two Legs and uh I I kind of feel bad that uh, that hasn't been acknowledged by either of them yet and uh, at what point do you start to take it as a no Joe am I am I not invited do I show up and then they ditch me I don't know what's going to happen I'd really like just a response one way or another not that Knobles is good cuz it's lame and it opens at 2 p.m. that day which is just what's the point but Anyways, I'd like a response. No, no. So listen. So uh, uh, so first of all, Pat doesn't have social media, so you'll never get an answer from him there, right? <laughs> well, he doesn't have a social media that he acknowledges. Right. You could bully um, 
and to give you uh, an acknowledgement earlier. Now, the park, Adam, opens up at 2. The rides and stuff. But look at this array of things that you could do from 11 to 2 before the park opens up. You can go to do spin art. Uh, you could paint a pumpkin. You could do cookie decorating. Uh, you could color your own hollow fun bag, uh, which they spell wrong. If you see there on the bag itself, it's hollow, H-A-L-L-O hyphen fun. And then down here, it's just all fun. Okay, hey, Joe, Joe, sometimes Halloween type things are hard to spell, especially if you're in a hurry and you should not hold that against people. Right. I get you. I get you. And then you could do uh, and then they have bingo there as well. So there's a, a plenty of do before two o'clock on Saturday at Knobles. And uh, I say, yeah, just bully Ed online until he gives you an answer. All right. I just figured the podcast would be just as equal of a venue, but who knows? Yeah, so I'll say if he doesn't reply within 24 hours, I think you can just start bullying him online. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so, hey, we would never bully you uh, in regards to this, but definitely go check out uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. IWTV, uh, for all the latest in the world of uh, independent professional wrestling. New subscribers use the code at odds. Uh, does not get you anything, but uh, if you continue your subscription with them, and why wouldn't you? We get a little bit of a kickback from uh, Jerry himself. Uh, so, you could, yes, so if I may. I don't usually interrupt here, but you mentioned that using the promo code at odds doesn't get you anything. What it does get you is hours and hours and hours of great Hollow Wicked content. <laughs> there you go. Touche. Uh, no tea public sale this week. That's next week. So you can head over there to buy shirts inspired by this show. Uh, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Final Wrestling Place, and Hit My Music. Uh, 35% off next week. Uh, you could also still get tickets. We're about two weeks away from the next LVAC show as they return to Sokol's in beautiful Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, only match announced so far is Davien taking on the returning Edith Surreal. I feel as though it's been far, far too long since Edie has been on a show. I know it's only been May, but still. Um, other names announced, of course, Billy Avery, Hydra, Big Dan, of course. What's a LVAC show without Big Dan? Uh, Max the Impaler makes their return. Uh, Gummy Boar, of course. What's an LVAC show without uh, Erica and the Boar? Uh, the Creeps make their return, and the debuting Flirtation, uh, which is Love Doug, who's making uh, his return to an LVAC event, and uh, his partner, the Tender Weapon. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, As you see their uh, yeah. dummied up thing there, you know? I'm seeing it now, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the link will be in the show notes. Get some tickets, come to the show. I'll be there. Adam will be there. Uh, I have it on good authority that I'll be doing commentary with Avery Good, uh, professional commentator, and Sidney Bacabella, of course, will make his presence known as well at the event. Uh, and I think there's a costume contest as well, so come dressed as your favorite, uh, you know, uh, wrestler or whatever. You know, I know DJ from uh, We Need Wrestling as a Costume. I know Ed and Pat from Pod Van Dam are going as twin cat girls. So, you know, <laughs> fun is going to be had by all. Yeah, And, uh, of course, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, the link for that is in the show notes, no matter where it is that you get this these shows. And I'm going to throw this out here like I did somewhere else. Apparently, over the weekend, there was an issue with Spotify's app. 
And it wasn't just us. It was like other podcasts. Like if you go through the Spotify app, like the the show would show up, but it wouldn't play or it would show as already played. So you couldn't play it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my investigating. It was on all the other podcatchers. It was available through Spotify's website, but it for some reason wasn't working like through Spotify's website or app from like Friday until Monday. Um, but like I said, it wasn't just us. It was everything through the app. So uh, that's why you never trust podcatchers. Always just trust a text file full of RSS feeds <laughs> that you constantly refresh and rip the raw audio from that. Sure. V- a very easy way to acquire all of your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Go ahead. I was going to say Amazon affiliate link uh, does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy. Uh, at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Notable purchases from the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased a Zubaz World Wrestling Entertainment men's sweatshirt in the style of now. <laughs> style of now, okay. Uh, even though when you go to the uh, website, it gives you uh, different options. You can get a Team Angle one that's out of stock. Uh, you can get a Hollywood Hogan one. You can get a Bray Wyatt fiend one, and what I assume means NWO, but they like didn't check because like when you're typing NWO, it automatically spell corrects it to now, and nobody yeah. double checked it. But <laughs> no matter what design you click on, you can't see what they look like. It just shows you the Bray Wyatt one. So you know, buyer beware. You know, don't accidentally buy a Hulk Hogan thing and get a Bray Wyatt thing, or vice versa. You know. But thank you for making the purchase through our click through. I was going to say, how deep does this White Rabbit stuff go? It's already reached Amazon. <laughs> but the White Rabbit thing might have reached some of these podcasts, Joe, and I hope it doesn't, but it might have. And those podcasts that you should listen to are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, The A Show, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, If You Catch My Grift, and No Chance in Helmet. I know that's a lot of podcasts. If you're having trouble figuring out which one to listen to, I would just pick the ones that talk about Hollow Wicked and listen to those. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess that's it for the main show, huh? Yeah, that's it. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. All right, Joe, I I was going to say, I assume you have a bunch of things, and we're going to be here a while, right? No, well, we're going to be here a while, but I think it's because you got a bunch of things. I got nothing. Um, My kid's birthday is this weekend, which is why I did not go to New York uh, with Todd. I had the same invitation as well, Uh, but my kid's party is this weekend. Um, So, you know, like, uh, we haven't paid for anything yet, but, you know, all the uh, accoutrements for going to uh, one of those trampoline places, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you going to jump on a trampoline, Joe? Fuck no. They have weight limits on those things, man. (laughs) 
Get some flips. Nope. All right. They have benches at this one. They're real nice. Um, <laughs> but I was kicking the tires on a couple kick pun intended, uh, kicking the tires on a couple kickstarters this week. Right. But I didn't bite the bullet on anything. Um, one was for my kid. And this is one of those like instant gratification things for a kid where uh, some YouTuber person that he likes uh, is doing like a series of like augmented VR puzzles. Okay. Okay. And like you get the three of them and they're 60 bucks and I was willing to bite the bullet and get them for him. I go, I go just so you know, and he just sees an ad and he says, oh, augmented VR puzzles. I want them. Right. So then I, I show him the reality that they're a Kickstarter. The Kickstarter is going on for another three weeks. And then it says that they're not going to ship until May 2023. And he's like, oh, I want them now. I go, <laughs> wait till May 2023. And he's like, well, I don't want them then. I go, no problem. We ain't getting them, you know? So, yeah, that's wait until that kid starts collecting toys. Wait until he starts buying his first zombie figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope it never gets to that. But this generation of kids really aren't much in to toys so much. Uh, you know, that's the adult collector thing. Um, it's like the the generation like that's younger than my kid, who's like eleven, and us olds that get toys. Like my kids in that spot, we're like, I'm like, hey, look, Fortnite toys, or you know, like all the games that he's into all have toys. Uh, the closest that he does is like the Pokemon Funko Pops, but then he's not like really over the moon on those either yeah i mean you don't really play with them you just kind of put them up in their decor more so you know yeah yeah and i i will say like they have the different boxes and like this holiday season and we'll get into your stuff because i got nothing i'm just talking about stuff um but for this holiday season like october november december um pokemon is doing a thing where like they have the the character boxes of cards but you could only get certain ones at certain stores they're doing like this is the GameStop exclusive, and this is the Walmart exclusive, and this is the Target exclusive, and this is the Best Buy exclusive, and this is the this, and this is the this. Because usually I would just, like, put them all up on Amazon, but they're not all up on Amazon. They're all at these individual retailers. And I went over that with my kid. I'm like, here's all the release dates. Here's what they are. Here's where you get them. And he looks at them, and, like, he wants like he wants the ones for the characters that he wants, but then, like, certain ones come with different things. And, like, if it comes with, like, a little figurine of the character, he wants those. So that's the closest he gets to, like, toys. Yeah. I mean, kind of related but unrelated. I, I saw on one of the doll groups that I was in um, that at New York Comic Con, I think it's the PSA table, like, where the for the rating of cards, they're giving away a Pokemon card that says, like, this trainer visited the PSA desk. So you should ask Todd to stop by and see. If oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I, for whatever reason, I, it's one of those things I saw it, and because I can give two shits, I didn't think about it again. But because you mentioned Pokemon, I was like, oh, if they're free, send Todd over, you know? But I'll, right. I'll give Todd a yell to see if he sees it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, I mean, I'll be relatively quick. I do have a couple things. Um, what seems like 10 years ago uh, when I bought these, but I went to GameStop and I've been taking advantage of their clearance sales, which are 50% off of clearance pricing. And I bought a Funko Pop uh, of Mankind that came in a lunchbox. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Comes with, like, a Mr. Socko and, like, a button and, like, a pin and a sticker or something, some shit like that. But I got that for less than less than the price of a Funko Pop, so it was a pretty good deal. Uh, but I also got a replica full-size Snake Eyes sword. 
And unfortunately, it is plastic, uh, so I can't actually use it as a sword. Uh, but it was never going to leave the box anyways. And I want to say that was like a $75 sword that I got for like $24. So wow, I'll take that all day. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to like, if I, if I go past the GameStop, um, I'm not expecting to walk in and find an AEW chase, like a lot of these people in the major group, but if I can get something that I think is cool for less than half price, I'll take it, you know? I sure, I'm sure like they're doing the clearance on their clearance to make room for, as I mentioned, all the holiday stuff. Yeah, most likely. Um, speaking of New York Comic Con, I did pre-order the, the... New York Comic Con major bendies today. Um, God damn it! <laughs> um, but it's didn't okay. you say you were out of the major bendy uh, market? You sir, that is slander. You can't prove it just because you have an alleged screenshot. Uh, as my friend David Bixen's fan said, you need to do a screen record and not a screenshot. All right. All right. Yeah, screenshots uh, they could be faked. Got me out of technicality. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I. Also, I don't know if you noticed, Hasbro PulseCon was this week, and Hasbro revealed a lot of new items and a lot of properties that I'm a fan of. Yes. Um, so I'll just be uh, real quick. I pre-ordered a couple things uh, in the G.I. Joe, not Black Series, whatever their high-end figures are called. Um, I got a Cobra Bat in the Crimson Guard, because I have to buy all of the, the Cobra Bats, and it's just basically a red cobra bat so i ordered that and i'm really sad because this is my third gi joe oh, classified series this is my third gi joe classified series of a cobra bat but this is the first one that is in a plastic free package and i hate it i hate it so much i saw the pictures of the current bat like in package you know yeah uh they looked really nice yeah, I mean, they're awesome figures. It's just a shame I'll never get to see this one, but I'll look at a picture on it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but also from Hasbro PulseCon, I pre-ordered uh, what is called a Shattered Glass Transformer. Have you ever heard of that line or that storyline? No. So Shattered Glass is, I guess, a comic story uh, where the Decepticons are the baby faces and the Autobots are the heels. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, now I, uh, yeah, I, I forgot that it was called a Shattered Glass, but yes, yes. Gotcha. Um, so basically it's like the Mirror Mirror universe from Star Trek, but I have a sound wave from that line where he's basically in white with like some blue trim. And even though he's a Decepticon, it's like, hey, it's, they're all the good guys, so... Gonna buy a sound wave. It was up on Hasbro Pulse. I had to pre-order that. Um, one last Transformers thing, uh, and these actually I did not know about until this morning when they went up for pre-order, and that is uh, some Walmart exclusives. So this pre-order will never actually get fulfilled. I'll have to wait till I find them, you know, in a store. But Walmart exclusive G1 repaints of Hot Rod and Starscream. And the repaints of the original molds, but the paints are made to make it look like the same color scheme from the Transformers the movie. So in Hot Rod, instead of him being red like on the original toy, it's kind of like an orange. And you know, Starscream is made to look more like the animated style. So it's just like a slight repaint. Um, I had to order them from Walmart's website because Hasbro Pulse was sold out by the time I woke up this morning because I didn't know about them. And, is it these ones that I have on my screen right now? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, di I didn't know about them until after uh, 
like it had already gone on. And you're on Hasbro Pulse right now. Is the Starscream in stock? Because I can uh, this, yeah, this, I'm on their email mailing list. Let me see. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to route you and then say it's going to it's sold out. Yep, sold out. Because I, I went to order the two of them this morning, and Hot Rod was available, but Starscream was gone. And I'm like, well, I don't want to order one from one, like pay double shipping and all that shit. Right, uh, right. So, so anyways, I ordered from Walmart. But um, I have a pro tip for you and for any fig enthusiasts who may find themselves forced to order something from Walmart. Uh, and I read about this online, and supposedly it has really good results. What's the biggest complaint when you order something from Walmart, other than the fact that they're never going to send it to you? Uh, the fact that uh, people rip open the packages and steal the belts out of chases? <laughs> That's buying uh, stuff in store. But I mean when you order it online. Um, hmm. I do know that they... So are you talking about ordering or pre-ordering? Regardless, you buy a toy okay. online uh, from Walmart. I know for me, I set it up like, you know, I store nearest me. I put my zip code in one. It'll reroute me to a different store than the one that's actually closest to me. So I have to like manually go in and pick the correct store Two, it'll tell me an items in stock until I add it to my cart. And then once I add it to my cart, it tells me it's not in stock. I mean, those are all valid issues, but what I was getting at is whenever you order a figure from Walmart, they ship it to you in a bag. Oh, okay. And one of my previous workarounds, and I've said this before, that like, hey, order two of something, you're more likely to get it in a box, and then you can kind of pick and choose which one's minter and then just return the other one. Sure. Which I think is a, a very valid strategy, but I learned in the last few days that if you choose this item is a gift during mm -hmm. checkout, they will always box it. Really? That's what people are saying. Like, I read this in a couple places because I kind of wanted to, like, follow up on it. And I've seen, you know, I order a million things a, a week online, and I've never clicked on that box. Uh, but, like, I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. So moving forward on Walmart, uh, if I do order something, again, I'm never going to get it. But in the off chance they do ship it, I'd be interested to see what the box looks like. Is it in a box? Is it in like any different? But at the very least, supposedly they won't just stick it in a, a bubble envelope or in a bag or something and send it to you. So if I had disposable income, I would go and just order two things at random, you know? Yeah. I'm and just do two separate orders, have like buy the same figure, you know, and have them shipped to the same spot and just do one the normal way. And do one as a gift just to see how they come. Um, and then, of course, return them both. But, you know, just as a test. Yeah. Look for something that's in stock that you don't have to worry about. Like, are they not going to fulfill the pre-order? You know? Yeah, yeah. But, okay. That's all of my pre-orders. I do have one <laughs> other purchase. Okay. Then we're done. And this is actually not like, uh, like a wrestling figure or Transformers or anything like that. This is... Uh, this is a baseball thing, and this is a bobblehead. And the reason why I'm kind of dancing around is it has a small story to tell. Um, I know I don't know if you know this, Joe. There was a pandemic a couple years ago. There was. And, yes, and Major League Baseball had games in front of no fans, you know, or limited fans, depending on how red your state was. The Thunderdome, sure. <laughs> exactly. But minor league baseball, they canceled the entire season. So there was no 2020 minor league baseball season. 
Uh, they didn't even pay the players, too, because, you know, MLB was all like, oh, we can't afford to pay them. But anyways, during that season, the lost season, the Rail Riders, the scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, announced that during the All-Star game, the Minor League Baseball All-Star game, which was going to be held here in scranton Wilkes-Barre, uh, there was going to be a very limited bobblehead given away at that event. Uh, and it was a Rail Riders Nick Swisher bobblehead. So I was like, I need that bobblehead. I'm going to this game. I, I even told Todd, like, the the months before this obviously was canceled, I was like, hey, you're going to this game with me. I'm going to pay for your ticket. I'm getting your bobblehead so I can have two. You know, and he's like, fine, that, buy me a hot dog. But I, I had plans on getting this bobblehead, but the season was canceled. So I said to myself, oh, no big deal. It'll just be moved to the following year. You know, it'll be one of the 2021 giveaways. It wasn't, which made no sense to me because they make these things usually a year in advance. So if, right. they, if they're advertising, hey, this is going to be at a game in June, you know, for the first 2000 fans or whatever, I'm like, okay, well, they got them made. They're showing a picture. It's not like they do test shots and prototypes of bobbleheads, you know? So whatever. It didn't come out in 2021. And I was like, what the hell? And it's not like they didn't issue bobbleheads. They had other bobbleheads. But the Nick Swisher one never came out. So fast forward to 2022, Joe. The Rail Riders announced their upcoming giveaways. There's no Nick Swisher bobblehead. So they were two years removed. And I see on eBay, because I just set up an alert. I was like, maybe somewhere these things are sitting somewhere and they're going to something's going to leak. So somebody puts one up on eBay. This is like three months ago. $125 or best offer. Unreleased Nick Swisher. Well, no, they don't even say unreleased. You know, I don't think they do. Like, I just think they just say it's rare. Um, But whatever. It's just, hey, here's this Nick Swisher bobblehead. And it's one picture of the bobblehead and the box. So it's sitting there. It's sitting there. And I'm like, okay. Well, if this guy has it, somebody else has to have it. And nobody ever lists another one. So I, I think on an episode of Porch Talk, I, I was telling Todd, I was like, you know what? Maybe if I can get some more pictures of it, you know, see the condition, I'll send the guy an offer. So I sent him a message, and I'm getting to the point, I promise. Uh, but I send the guy a message. I'm like, hey, would you mind sending, like, some pictures of the other side of the box and whatever? I'm kind of interested in getting this. No response. So I'm like, fuck this guy. And it's he's had it up for sale for months now. Nobody's buying it. So I still have the eBay alert set up, you know, to no avail. All this time, two plus years later, only one guy has sold has tried to sell this bobblehead. None have po- popped up on Mercari. I check. None have popped up popped up on Facebook Marketplace. I check. All right. None. I'm at my buddy's house in Bloomsburg the other day. And I just I'm checking my eBay alerts and I have a wide net set and it's the net is just uh, Swisher Rail Riders, just in case somebody doesn't say it right. You know, like doesn't say bobblehead or whatever. Uh, I get an alert saying that the alerts triggered and I look, it's the Swisher bobblehead and it's from a different person. It's a different picture. So immediately I'm like, what is this? And it said ten dollars plus ten dollars shipping. So I was like. Oh, I have to bid on this. You know, I have to get in. I don't care. I'll be the first bidder. And Joe, it says buy it now. For so ten like, bucks. 
10 bucks plus 10 bucks shipping. So I I am reacting like I am now. Or like, I'm like, holy shit, holy shit. I got hit by it now. I got hit by it now. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no time. I have to hit by it now. I'm not even reading the description. He's like, read the description. I was like, no, no time. <laughs> right? So I click buy it now. It goes through. And I have it like purchased for $10 plus $10 shipping. And I'm like, I'm like, did I just buy this thing for 20 bucks? And so I read the description and all it says is Nick Swisher bobblehead 2020 Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. No um, further. I, I'm looking at it now. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have your screen. Oh, you're looking on the phone. Um, so I'm like that. I can't believe that I got this thing. I bought the second one that has ever gone up for sale. Like I was so pumped that not only did I get this thing that I've been looking for for nearly three years now, but I got it for dirt cheap. So I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, huh, the alert went off again. Another one went up for sale from the same seller for the same price. And I was like, Ooh, I should probably message this. This is the dumbest thing I ever did. I messaged the person said, Hey, I see that you're selling another one. If I buy the second one, will you combine shipping? <laughs> and then five minutes later, somebody else bought the other one. Son of a bitch. And I was like, I should have just bought it. What's the worst case scenario? The guy would have charged me fucking $40 for two of them. I was getting ready to send a, like a hundred dollar offer to this other dude, you know? But long story short, it's been on my search list since the end of the 2019 season when they announced it. Uh, who knows? Maybe a thousand of these will show up within the next few weeks. Right. The way I see it, I got one for less than the cost of the ticket plus parking if I had gone to the game. You know? Uh, and it completes my... Uh, like my my Swisher bobblehead collection. It goes towards my minor league baseball bobblehead collection. Uh, I'm very happy about that purchase. Uh, now, I was going to say, I know a lot of times when it comes to me, and, it's, and obviously it's not the mad scramble like you have with looking for this. Yeah. Uh, but when there's um, a seller who is selling multiple things, okay, unless they have it set up that you have to pay immediately, I will buy the multiple things, and if eBay won't calculate the shipping for me, I'll still go through with the purchase, but I'll put request uh, total from seller. Yeah. So it kind of holds the items until the seller sends you that total with the shipping combined. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And I, I get that. Like, I have no idea why I didn't just buy the second one sight unseen uh, because I kind of wanted at least two of them. Just to hedge right. my bets is on like bet, uh, hedge my bets that one of them would be in great shape. And don't get me wrong, the one I got is perfect. Uh, I already took pictures of it. Oh, I was going to ask because I just looked and the guy had a ton of pictures up of them both. Yeah. So, uh, and then of course you took your picture. I would send the picture of the completed eBay listing to the guy who still has a, his up for 125 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And say like, good luck, pal. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe these were the only three that will ever hit the market. You never know. Yeah. I mean, they could have been pulped. I, I doubt it. I think that there makes no sense. Or you know, they, they could canceled. be sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's the more likely thing is that they're sitting in a warehouse and maybe whoever sponsored the bobbleheads, because every bobblehead has a sponsor, you know, that like a corporate sponsor, maybe they dropped out somehow and. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the the deal is with why these never got released and 
why there's only a couple of them, who knows? So, um, I don't know, maybe more on that as it develops, but I'm glad I got one. Well, I'm going to make a suggestion, okay? Now, I didn't look, I don't know if uh, they took it off or whatever, or if there's a way that you can go back through the annals of, like, the Wayback Machine of the Internet to see who the sponsor for that was. They're usually on the actual bobblehead, like on oh. the, the foot of it or on the backside. Of, um, actually, I'm looking at this. There, there's not a sponsor listed on the box anywhere. Right. Hmm. I could be wrong so, right, when you had said maybe the sponsor fell out, that's why I was saying, like, maybe you can go and find, like, the original advertisements that were online for it that says, like, Wise Markets presents, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. Let me see. Um. So what I was going to suggest was, you know, put a nice suit on, look very professional, uh, find out who the sponsor of it was and find out if their corporate offices are in the greater northeastern Pennsylvania area and go there and ask about them. Yeah. And then when they and then at least you would get a lead onto where they were or at the very least head up to the stadium to their uh, the club store and just say, like, hey, you know, uh. I was talking to the folks at blah, 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 whoever the sponsor were, and they had said that you guys might have these bobbleheads here for a promotion that never happened. Yeah. And they might be sitting in a in a back room there, and they don't even know they have them. Ooh, okay, here, I actually just Googled Swisher bobblehead ra- rail riders, and this is actually straight from, uh, like, the rail riders, like a press release. And I just clicked on it, and it moved me, so I apologize here. Um... Here it is. Uh, former Rail Riders outfielder Nick Swisher will be celebrated as our limited edition collectible for the first 500 fans Ooh. who purchased the 2020 Bobblehead Series mini plan. You will receive a ticket uh, to the 2012, I'm sorry, 2020 All-Star Game and receive the Bobblehead there. So apparently you had to buy like a ticket package for every single game that had a bobblehead and it was one of those things where it's like when you buy the entire set like not a season ticket but uh all of the bobblehead games you can then get this bobblehead at the all-star game if you're one of the first 500 people so there's less than there's 500 of these i thought there was like a couple thousand yeah when you said like two thousand sure yeah because that's usually two to three thousand is what a normal minor league baseball uh bobblehead is Fuck, why didn't I buy that second one? God damn. <laughs> well, listen, you know that guy had two. Uh, maybe he'll get a third. Um, I saw that I looked at his uh, other s- stuff that he has for sale. Um, you know, maybe a couple other ones will fall off the truck or he'll find them in the couch cushions next to the <laughs> next to the Nick Swisher uh, wedding brawlers or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, like I said, I did message him asking if he'd combine shipping. And he, he replied, oh, sorry, the other one sold already, and I don't have any more. So he does, unless there's one in the garage underneath some foam fingers, I don't right. know. Right. Man, I should have bought that second one. Well, but, well listen, uh, I'm glad you got the one that you did, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what, Joe, that's probably the second most angry I've been all week, but I've been much angrier. Oh, you have?
Joe, we're going to keep talking about baseball. There's been a lot of baseball talk today at the top of the show, during Artie's voicemail. We were talking bobbleheads, all that fun stuff. But I just real quick want to talk about baseball and talk about other things that I didn't buy. And I've told this story. I think I told it on Wrestling Cheers. If I told it on At Odds, it's been a long, long time. And I think it bears repeating. But uh, um, a couple years ago, many years ago, I used to buy... Uh, autographed rookie cards of every single new Pittsburgh Steeler and every single new New York Yankee. So, you know, Steelers would draft a player, I'd go buy their card. Uh, they'd sign a player in free agency or, you know, whatever, I'd go buy their card. Yankees, same deal. They'd have an up-and-coming prospect, I'd go buy a card. And there was this up-and-coming <laughs> prospect on the New York Yankees. This, this guy was a can't-miss stud, Joe. This big, beefy power hitter of a guy, the likes of which hasn't been seen in New York for years. And he was called up at the end of uh, end of one season and just started hitting bombs left and right. And everybody in New York was like, this guy is going to be the next big home run hitting stud. And everybody knows that person's name, Joe. That person's name is Jesus Montero. <laughs> so okay. What did I do? I went out and I bought a Jesus Montero autographed rookie card, a high grade, limited to like 100, 150 copies. And Joe, I probably spent 300 bucks, maybe 400 bucks on it. Uh, I spent a lot of money on this card. So that again, he came up, he got called up at the end of the, the, the regular season, was hitting bombs. I think he had like five home runs in like seven games, some shit like that. But he was can't miss. Then during that offseason, the Yankees traded him. They traded him away for a pitcher, Michael Pineda. And uh, he went away to the Seattle Mariners, where he then got in a fist fight with one of his bench coaches and has never played a game of Major League Baseball again, Joe. <laughs> so I sold that Jesus Montero rookie card that I paid $400 for for about $125. Bucks. And this is before he got in the fist fight, but after he left the Yankees. So... It's what we call a bit of a loss on a sale. And I said said to myself, Adam, you're done buying fucking baseball cards of these unproven up, you know, young upstarts. Wait until they get into the pros. Wait until they make an impact. You're not spending these exorbitant amounts of money on these nobodies. But I still kept an eye on a lot of cards, you know, because I said to myself, what if I change my mind? What if I do want to buy a baseball card of one of these players? So I started following things on eBay. And about two years later, Joe, there was this other big hulking power hitter coming up in the Yankee system. This guy's named Aaron Judge. So, oh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, that's a guy you've probably heard of. Maybe not so much Jesus Montero. but So Aaron Judge... He's called up at the end of his season, uh, a Yankee season where they're not doing anything. He also goes on a little bit of a tear, hits a couple home runs in the last couple of weeks. So I said, man, I should probably buy this guy's rookie card. And I'd actually seen a lot of judge games playing for the Rail Riders. Uh, a lot of those young baby bombers, they call them, like him and uh, Gleyber Torres and the catcher Gary Sanchez. I saw a lot of those guys locally, so I was familiar with them. So I picked out an Aaron Judge card on eBay. And Joe, uh, this card was a 2013 Bowman Chrome autographed refractor graded by Beckett grading system as a 9.5. 
and it was limited to 50 copies. And Joe, this sat in my eBay watch list <laughs> available buy it now, mind you, probably a best offer, but I think buy it now for $400. Okay. And it sat in my watch list pretty much the entire off season of the baseball season. And I was like, kind of want it. But Adam, you just got, you got burned less than a year ago on Jesus Montero. Don't do it. Don't waste the money. And I don't remember what it was, but I think I got like a bonus at work at work, or it might've been a tax return or some shit where I had some expendable income. And I said to myself, Adam, you're going to treat yourself. I I know that sounds very much not like me as as a man who's very cautious with his money. Right. uh, But I decided to just splurge and I was going to buy the most expensive item in my eBay watch list. And it was down to that Aaron judge card. Again, 2013 Bowman Chrome refractor, blue wave refractor, uh, limited to 50 autograph BGS 9.5. It's not like I, I have it seared into my memory. Um, but I decided Joe to buy a comic book. Ooh, that like comic, Archie, Jughead, Veronica. Uh, you know, a little bit farther off of that, but I bought a CGC 9.8 sketch edition of Daredevil number one. Now, this is those Daredevil books that had the blank spot in the middle where Joe Quesada had like an individual sketch on every single issue, and it was like limited to 300. Uh, so I had never owned a piece of Joe Quesada art. Uh, his stuff is super expensive. But this was an opportunity oh, to buy uh, a Joe Quesada original piece of art. And it was on a comic and it was, you know, graded and all that stuff. And uh, I spent like 400, 450 bucks on that. And that was my decision is I was going to buy that comic book because I knew 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it's not going to go down in price. Original art, as Todd will tell you, doesn't really plummet in price. Um, so a couple months later, Aaron Judge has his full rookie season where he uh, wins the rookie of the year, hits 49 home runs, and uh, won the MVP. I don't care what anybody says because fucking Altuve is a cheater. And Joe, that $400 card, do you want to take a guess of what that was selling for after his rookie season on eBay? Uh, okay. <laughs> now keep in mind, I passed on buying it for $400. Now I know. Okay. So I'll say this, um, you know, we, we talk privately before the show and during the week and everything else like that. So I know what it sells for now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so after the rookie season, let's say it went from 400 to let's say a thousand. I'd say around Four to five thousand dollars for this card. Oh, okay, that's a little bit more of a jump than I thought. Sure, about a ten times profit on the card in in one year. In in let yeah, I mean, really less than a year because he he went from he finished the season as a nobody, and then by the next season he won the home run derby, he won the minor uh, the the rookie of the year, he won the MVP, he was on a playoff team, the face of a franchise, the face face uh. And so it literally went from a $400 card to about a four to $5,000 card. And that stung Joe that stung for a long time. And I, like <laughs> I said, I told that story a lot, but eventually Joe, I got over it because you know what? You win some, you lose some. And it's, it peaked. I missed my boat, but you know what? It went up to four to $5,000. It's okay. It's okay. It happens. It's not the end of the world. 
It's not like it's a much, much higher amount of money. Uh, you know what? It'll probably come down. It'll probably you could only come down. win the Rookie of the Year once. Yeah, you know what? It did actually come down because I followed it for a little while. I wasn't bitter or anything, but it eventually went down to about three grand. I'd say it, it ballooned up to five grand, but it fell down to about three grand. And then that son of a bitch fucking breaks the home run record this season. I don't give a shit. It's the fucking home run record. Well, I, listen, Fuck I was going to say. Joe, that <laughs> fucking card. And this isn't an asking price. This is a sold listing on goddamn eBay this week. $26,000. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I knew that. $26,000. <laughs> what happens if he wins the World Series? He's like the World Series MVP. He hasn't even won the MVP yet because people still say, yeah, maybe Shohei Otani will win it because he's a he's a pitcher. Fuck you. Judge is winning this. And when Judge wins the MVP, maybe, but not likely, wins a World Series, it's only going to go up from there. $400. $400. Joe, do you want to take a guess of how much money that comic book has gone up in value over the last fucking five, six years? Uh, I'm going to say it's probably like right around $400. It's the exact same price I paid for it. God damn it. $26,000 and it's only going up. Uh, well, listen, that's, uh, uh, at least, so listen, at least you didn't lose money, right? Like you did with the uh, other home run boy. Oh, yeah. I really shouldn't like somebody needs to put like an, an like a parental uh, block on my eBay that will prevent me from being able to research the the pricing of that card. You know what I'm saying? Don't take away eBay altogether from me because I'd be lost. But just make it so that like when I go to search 2013 Bowman Chrome or or fucking Judge or whatever, it just has a uh 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 come up on the screen. Uh, that would be the best thing for my mental health going forward. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a lot of money, Adam. And uh, listen, a- and that's a big deal. Listen, Aaron Judge broke the non-cool, non-steroids home run record. You know, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. You know, there's two home run records: the cool one and this one. Yeah, and I will just say this is something you probably have never heard, but I've heard it a thousand times over the season. Uh, but this is just proof that wrestle, I'm sorry, wrestle is that baseball is a fixed sport, right? Uh, the fact that Aaron Judge, hit, uh, or I'm sorry, broke the record, right? And that record was 61 home runs hit 61 years ago in 1961. So it's like, all right, you're going to you're going to have this happen right now. Like a, that's almost like storytelling. And then Judge, who wears number ninety nine, broke the record on the the day that the Yankees had like ninety nine wins. So it's like it's so perfect that it has to be scripts that it, scripted. It, it's like poetry. So it rhymes. Yeah, It's long term storytelling. You know, they were like at the beginning of the season, Judge like went over five and they were like, let it play out. Let it play out. You know. <laughs> oh, all right, I- I'm still sad, but I'm less angry now because I got it out. But uh, you know, Adam, just think. Um, if so, let's say, and again, I- I'm going to play uh, not devil's advocate, but I'm going to say, so let's say you did buy that card, right? And it currently was worth twenty six thousand dollars right now. Yep. Would you sell it for twenty six thousand dollars? 
See, that's a very good question. And people ask me that. And I, the collector in me would say no, because then I won't own a $26,000 Aaron Judge rookie card. <laughs> you know, like that's the crown jewel of the collection. Like that's like, that's my rhythm and blues honky tonk prototype. <laughs> yeah. I, so it would just be sitting uh, in a safe, maybe not even at this location. It might be in a safety deposit box somewhere. Um, but I don't like unless I needed the money, like I fell on Han times. Uh, that that'd be the only reason why I would get rid of. It. So I'd probably still just have it, you know. Right, like if for some reason both of your cars were in the shop and you needed to buy a third car, <laughs> you could just sell a baseball card and get a automobile. <laughs> I still wouldn't. I would just Uber and keep the card. <laughs> but but you get what I'm saying is. Like, yeah, it stinks that you don't have it, but it's not like you're losing out of the money, but I get you missed out on the, you know, you said before, opportunity of owning such, you know, a, a, a momentous piece of Yankee history. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it keeps going up. I might have been able to fucking pay off my house with it. Who knows? Right. But neither here nor there. I do have a nice Joe Quesada sketch uh, Daredevil comic that I'd love to sell you at a good price. Yeah, well, listen, I'll buy it if it was a Joe Quesada uh, drawing of the real Batman, not the fake Batman. Yeah, I can't afford that. See, I could have sold the Aaron Judge card and bought original pages from Sword of Azrael by Joe Quesada. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, this show is going to be up sometime next year. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's everything, right? Yeah, I think we got to everything. All right. So, hey, everyone, thank you very much. For listening, this was uh, At Odds with Wrestling, episode 210. Uh, For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. Especially if it's Halloween. Right, exactly. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.